You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. I don't see him. Hey, was hey. from the Truman Show? Uh, the Truman Show thing that they said. Uh, J.C. Sherbert, Phil Mullinax here. JB's off again today. A lot of guests joining us today. Uh, the McKellar Enterprises guest line is pretty packed. We have uh, Stuart Lake. Uh, I don't. And Phil, you're gonna have to help me with times. The Stuart Lake's coming in. Yep. Kip Bachnight's coming in because uh, we missed Kip on the opener, and then uh, Matt Anderson of the late night Gamecock show will join us. He's uh, chomping at the bit to get in here. Uh, speaking of chomping at the bit, I was just to go back. There's some Florida fans going back and forth, the Gamecock fans over this Ryan Montgomery update. Uh, Steve Wolfon for 24 seven sports had a, had a, had an update on Ryan immediately after uh, a crystal ball for the Gamecocks to land Ryan Montgomery today. And Florida is certainly the other team that's uh, right there in it. They've recruited him pretty well, but, uh, I'd have to give the upper hand to Carolina. Florida fans are pissed off about everything right now, dude. They are just trashing the game because Florida's accomplished so much more in athletics. Uh, so I, I, I very, uh, I very nicely chimed in, and, and it's nothing but respect for you guys. I can respect in 2010 when you came to Founders Park and won the SEC. I can respect in 06 when your men's basketball team beat the Gamecocks for the SEC tournament. Uh, I can I can respect that you put Carolina out of the Super Regionals last year. I said I can also respect, uh, and I can respect Spurrier in 2000, leading them back 
from 21 to three down to win the SEC East at the Swamp for the Gators against Lou Holtz and the Gamecocks. I can respect all that. I can also respect South Carolina sweeping the Gators 2 nothing to win the national championship in Omaha in 2011. I can also <laughs> respect the total butt whipping they put on Urban Meyer's final team at the Swamp, 36-14. Marcus Lattimore had about 1,000 yards that night. Uh, it wasn't close to win the SEC East. And I can also respect the Elite Eight game at Madison Square Garden 2017 when the Gamecocks beat the Mighty Gators to advance to the Final Four. So it sounds to me like it's a hell of a competition. So that, that right. yeah, it's not a dominance. When, when there's, and, and South, and oddly enough, Phil, when you think about South Carolina and Florida in general, uh, with the, the, you know, other than the fact Will Muschamp and Steve Spurrier coached at both places recently, uh, there has been a lot of, you know, of all the SEC schools, Carolina's met the Gators with more on the line than any other SEC opponent. Um, part of that's because the football games usually late, historically has been later in the year. Uh, part of it is, uh, you know, kind of just the way the ball has bounced at times. Um, but yeah, when those two schools meet, as far as the game costs are concerned, they've met with a lot on the line. Uh, more frequently than maybe anybody else, you know. I, uh, the the final four thing did it for me. I was like, I, I was kind of like, God, they're going to play Florida. I was like, in big situations and in, in most sports lately, the Gamecocks have owned the Gators, and I was, I, you know, because I'm, I'm kind of of the belief what goes around comes around sometimes. And uh, but nope, they got uh, they got uh, got them out. They got them mm-hmm. out. Uh, got them out of the tourney, and then of course. Gators got a little, you know, got super regional last year. They swept it. So, I mean, I can respect all that. I think Florida fans right now just have different. I mean, they're pissed off about just about everything. They are the right. fellow fellowship of the miserable. You know, they haven't had what three straight losing seasons in football since before Steve Spurrier was a player there <laughs> in the sixties. Yeah, it's, um, it goes back, yeah, what, over, well, almost 60 years now. <laughs> I mean, you're talking losing seasons, you know, they're yeah. not, they're not accustomed to that. And, you know, so they're going to, they're going to, they're going to hiss and chomp and, you know, get mad at little old South Carolina. They don't think they should be losing recruits to the Gamecocks, but that's fine. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's okay. Yeah. And, and the Florida brand, quite frankly, they were, they were probably guys a top five brand. Uh, in the mid two thousands, probably, you know, one of the three best, their athletic department uh, is a lot like South Carolina where there's expectations across the board. You will get fired if you don't win enough in most sports there. But I would argue that since urban left in football, there really hasn't been much, you know, that they really, you know, you've had some division title winners. I, I think the pandemic year was their best football team they've had you know, since Urban left, uh, Mullen and Kyle Trask and Pitts and those guys. And because it was pandemic year, people people kind of lost track of that. And then, of course, they they fired Mullen the year afterwards. So, uh, you know, hey, you, you quit firing coaches. You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't, get right. I, I don't know what to say. I've always had a lot of respect for Florida, and uh, I love the passion of their fans. But on our particular network on 24-7 Sports, Phil, that bunch is just mad at the world. I mean, they've yeah. been, I mean, you should get it, it, people that are on bigspur.com that think that site can get a little toxic, that board can get a little toxic. Again, I'm not going to say it doesn't, but it's nothing compared to our Gator site. They are just, bleh. 
I'm sure they're going to attack me after my little uh, response, but I, I'm, I'm going to, I got to, I got to host a show today. So I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to go back and uh, worry about it. Contra, Contra, FSU and Miami are bigger historical brands than UF. I probably agree because Miami is still, Miami has, since they joined the ACC, they've been, basically they've been like Virginia. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Just uh, they hadn't even been as good as Wake Forest or NC state, but they still attract players and, and you still have that. A lot of the, the mystique there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Florida state, I think is a big brand. Um, you know, I, uh, I, uh, I just, you know, it's just one of those things, but <laughs> our boy Gamecock retweeters like tell them about the state of their program. Now I'm not, I'm not trying to get into anything with any Gators, a lot of respect for them. I mean, that's the alma mater of our friend, Mike Morgan. Uh, although Mike would tell you, he's, he's not like a fan of Florida. He just went to school. There's good broadcast school. Um, but you know, I, I don't, uh, there's a lot of shared history, a lot of shared personnel, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things Gator fans and Gamecock fans have in common, up to the fact that there wasn't much winning done in football until Steve Spurrier got to either school. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, he's the X factor for both on the football field. Exactly, and, and that's why the, the, the field's named after him at the Swamp, and the practice field's named after he and his wife at Carolina. And he goes, you know, that's never going to change. So I think there's a lot of commonality there, and and they they have met on the court diamond gridiron, whatever you want to call it with things, with, with things on the line, important things. Uh, and look, I know if you're Florida, you're sitting there going, Oh, well, we play for important things all the time. Well, you probably do. You know, I, I know <laughs> we agree, yeah. but when you're the Gamecocks, you'd haven't played for important things all the time. And when 60% of the time you're playing for something important, it's against the Gators, you know, you, and you have a lot of success doing it. But Hey, that's uh, I don't, I don't know that you look at them as, uh, your big brother or superior uh, and all of that. I, I don't, you know, if you want to get into which football job is better, I'll give you Florida is a better job because it's in it's the university of Florida. <laughs> there's more players, but I'll also say this. There's only been two coaches that have ever won big there, <laughs> you know, uh, in your his in the history of Florida football. And I, I know Charlie Pell kind of had it going and Galen Hall had a good year and all that, but that was kind of probationary, you know? Uh, and in basketball, Florida was God awful until Norm Sloan got there. Uh, and then Lon Kruger got to the final four. Then Billy Donovan took it to the next level. So who knows? Maybe the Gamecocks are kind of like the Gators, just probably 20 years behind and, you know, we'll see what happens, but, uh, nothing but mad respect for the Florida Gators. And, uh, you know, I, I wish, I wish you guys weren't as pissed off as you are. Your basketball teams play well, You're probably going to the tournament again. So, uh, under, under your new second year coach. So be happy about that. Hey, you get to come to Columbia here in a couple of weeks. We'll see what happens there. Still a long baseball season to play. Um, but you know, and and you may still get Ryan Montgomery. I I, I had Ryan down as like a confidence level of five, uh, I, but uh, just based on kind of the feel there, I think he's coming South Carolina's way. Um, yeah, you got to so. think like you know, does this open up the conversation that you know Dowell Loggins is becoming an X factor for being able to draw quarterback talent? Yes, but it, it, it's also one of those things though. 
Phil, uh, the guy before him was pretty good too at getting talent yeah. in here. Well, he was a good recruit. I don't know what he was selling. Discovered that was a bill of goods, at least here, you know. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see what, what we found out was we'll see what yeah. happens at Nebraska, <laughs> but um, but no, uh, and I, I want to say Shane Beamer's done a really good job with, with all the guys that I put in crystal balls for today, too, as a head football coach. He's He's done well course, with that. And, and yeah, Clint, Shamari Earls is somebody I certainly considered. Uh, you know, if I had to do it with him, uh, you know, there are a couple other ones uh, I may consider uh, putting in crystal balls for. I just, uh, I kind of looked around. Nobody's putting in crystal balls right now. And I was like, well, shoot, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll be the first one. I'll jump in the deep end. I'll, I'll jump right. in the cold. <laughs> I'll jump in. I'll jump in the pool in, in, in late February here. You know, but um, but that's the deal there. All right, got lots to get to. Uh, Nana Sports chat box is wide open. Appreciate all you guys that uh, get in there. Gamecocks play baseball today. That's good because uh, it's again another Chamber of Commerce day here in, in Greater Chicago. Um, so I've got some porch time scheduled <laughs> later uh, today, about nice. three o'clock. Three o'clock my time. The mm-hmm. Belmont Bruins and the Gamecocks will be uh, throwing the first pitch and certainly looking forward to that um, this weekend. Uh, tonight, uh, uh, Eli Jones makes his second start of the season. And if I'm not mistaken, I have the other – I deleted it. <laughs> the other pitching matchups, I had it going, but I, I deleted it. I don't know who start for Belmont. I saw on Twitter, though, Belmont returns a lot of players. You yep. know, uh, and all that cat daddy. Yeah. The tight end Pritchett was, was right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, it would be Pritchett. Uh, Earl's would be in that mix. The defensive end from Sumter would be in the mix. Uh, if I wanted to do six, I could have, but, uh, the ones I did, I did Jalen Gilchrist who, my God, that kid's, I don't know. I mean, I guess I didn't realize how good he was, uh, you know, but he is a, he's a beast. Um, one of the top guard or interior guys in the country, according to the rankings. Uh, also, Virginia Beach kid. Uh, Surratt, the O-lineman from Gaffney. I, I felt good about him for a while. Uh, I like this kid's upside, Phil. He started for the mighty Gaffney Indians. Shout out to my boy McSwain, big Indian fan. Shout out to Dr. Moss, big Indian fan. Shout out to my boy Chris. Uh, but uh, – all big Gaffney Indians up there. Um, I, uh, yeah, I've, I've thought he was a take for a long, long time. And I think he's just going to get better. Has a basketball background. I mean, it's six, five, three Oh five, you know, and you play basketball, you can move your feet. Uh, it, it's pretty awesome. Um, those types of guys usually pan out. Uh, and then I have Montgomery. So Montgomery Gilchrist Surratt, uh, Clint says, what do you think of Addison JC? His film doesn't blow me away. Not bad, but nothing stands out either. Montague Rames didn't have great film and blew up his senior year. So that's kind of, I was actually talking to my stepson today about the sadness that is the fact that all this recruiting gets done early now. And there's an ocean of players that are senior year risers out there. I mean, the game didn't change when they started doing all this early recruiting and ranking, uh, there were always a bunch of senior risers out there that would latch on uh, to schools. And I mean, I remember going to Shrombo one year, there'd be three or four guys there, Phil, that would leave Shrombo a week with five offers from power five schools. 
and then they stop coaches from going and all that. Uh, so that's sad, but um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with old Addison. I, I, I tend to think there's a lot of defensive linemen out there with his build that may not blow you away. Uh, what I would like to see, though, Clint, in all fairness, is maybe him in a camp setting get a look at his first step. Uh, and all that good stuff. So we are going, yeah, and, and Montague Rames has given up football altogether, last I heard. Wasn't even doing anything. So then that's it's a shame, but, you know, it happens. All right, we got to get to a break because we got Stewart on the other side, and I have to learn the game of baseball uh, in about two minutes to ask yeah. questions. So, Phil, put your questions hat on. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, yeah, no, fortunately we've got uh, somebody to help us there, so we're good. <laughs> Stu knows enough for both of us, man. We're yeah, good. yeah, that's good. <laughs> you know, we got to do the interview. So, uh, anyway, Stuart Lake uh, had, a, had a wonderful debut uh, as part of the broadcast team last week. Joins us after the break. It's Inside the Game Coach, the show on a TGI Friday segment. We'll talk to you here in a little bit. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Touchdown, Brewer. Set up the screen, and it goes to Brewer. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Brewer. His second of the day. Pitches it to Brewer. Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does for everybody else. Whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience, and service second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured, your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise, and it's done on time, and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence. The website is ryanbrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. Oh, man. The building is on fire. Emergencies and accidents happen. When you're in the middle of a fire or water event, all you want is for things to return to normal as soon as possible. Resto Pros of the Midlands is with you 
guiding you through the process and working with you to get your home or office back in working order. They'll answer your questions, discuss procedures, and can act as your advocate when it comes to processing your insurance claim. RestoProsMidlandsSC.com. Open 24-7 when you need them. Quality that is guaranteed. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Welcome you to Founders Park. It's time for baseball, folks. That ball rear the right. And deep. And gone. Swinging a drive. Left field. Way back. And gone. It's the ball into the air the opposite way. Has he done it twice? Yes, he has. Taylor to the wall. There's a high drive. That ball is tagged. That ball is way, way, way out of here. A great slam home run for Ethan Pickers. What else can this young man do, Derek? My goodness, that ball was killed. of a sophomore slump are greatly exaggerated, as I'm sure our friend, Coach Slate, will confirm for Mr. Petri. Got off the schneid, hit a couple of, you know, well, let's see. Ethan Petri has had four hits, three of which uh, found their way out of the ballpark, <laughs> and one of them got him on first base. And then in the past couple of games, he's been walking uh, as well. So looks like, you know, early returns, uh, are not so bad on Mr. Petri, right, Stu? Yeah, Phil. No, I mean, still 455 on base percentage. It's, I think the sophomore slump thing comes sometimes when you try to be something you're not. And last year, what he was is a guy that really swung at good pitches and didn't chase. And that's what Monty and I talked about this week. We, You kind of felt like in a couple of those RBI opportunities last weekend, he tried to expand the zone too much. And mm-hmm. The other thing, he's named number one on the scouting report this year. You know, as Derek was saying the other day, his first start last year, he hit eighth. So, you know, it's a totally different thing. But, no, I'm just sitting here looking at his numbers as we get ready for today's game. And, uh, you know, still hitting 250. You know, the team now 313. But you just – these early season games, you never want to get in too big of a hole as a hitter because you know what's coming. Yeah, it kind of starts next weekend with Clemson and then 30 SEC games. So you want to always take care of that. But I'm not worried about him, and I don't think anybody else should be either in that regard. No, I've just said, yeah, if you'd see those, you know, like we were saying on the message boards with football, it was like you never know when you get into those toxic spots where people are just like, come on, yeah, this is terrible. What's he doing? I'm like, yo, it's been 
five games. Well, <laughs> you know, I, this I, was before the last two, even. I'm like, there's no, I mean, listen, you gotta, everybody's gotta get up to season speed, right? Absolutely. I think so too. Sometimes, yeah, guys do work on different things and, and they want to try out new things and become more of a what a complete hitter or whatever. And and so this throws you off, you know. I mean, if if I if I was playing basketball and I tried to work on a, a three point jump shot and I was out there shooting threes instead of having more moves than X lax like I did when I was a all star <laughs> player in junior high, uh, <laughs> taking it to the rim. I'd be a little off too, you know. So anyway, I, I think I think he'll be fine. And 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 Stu, this team's not really getting a whole lot of pitches to hit if you look at the walks. <laughs> that was my. Next I mean, point my goodness. <laughs> so I'm sitting here this morning, and I'm very simple the way I kind of did as a coach, and still. So I'm writing down. Now this is the offense so far. You're hitting 313 on base percentage, 523. So you're getting on over half your bats. 55 runs. 59 walks already, 11 hit by pitches. So when you start, y'all know we talk about a lot. You want, when you add those two, you want them to try to be even with your strikeouts. But right now, only 34 strikeouts. So offensively, you got to be excited about that. Now, what you then go and look, let's see what the opponent's doing to kind of give you an idea. So the opponents have only, we've only walked 19 guys. Now we've hit nine guys, which is up, I know, way more than Coach Williams wants but have struck out 48 guys already. Opponents, again, we're hitting 313. They're hitting 159. So I know those numbers won't stay that true as you start to play a higher level of teams. But, um, no, offensively, I think Ethan can just say, yeah, well, that wasn't my time to shine yet. Maybe this weekend is. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at, uh, you know, I kind of – I've been keeping an eye on everything, listening, watching, you know, and, and it, it just, I had this built in my mind that Tippett, I was like, man, he's just not really having, you know, that hot a start to the season. But then I look at, you know, like his RBI and, you know, the numbers what? right there. And it's like, man, you know, you're affecting things, even if you're not, you know, uh, looking like Superman up there at the plate every time you walk up there. It's, it's, it's this, this team I think has been, early returns obviously but you know fairly solid yeah you know, john, for sure. mm-hmm. yeah john will and i obviously we talk a lot and i'm gonna miss him because he's driving over to old miss i think today to do basketball but i just got know, off with him yeah, yeah so it's one of those things that i i thought john put it well i heard him say let you know you don't want to you know go too crazy with these numbers because the opponents are going to continue to get better. But I'm be honest, I think this is a good test this weekend. The Belmont team coming in, I think, is going to give you a pretty good starting pitching, which is what you haven't seen really from the opponent through five games because yeah. they're bringing back three guys. If they stay with their rotation, they've announced three guys that are returners. And some of the numbers, I mean, they're bringing back 85% of their innings from last year. So that means they got a majority of their pitchers back. They got 85% of their strikeouts on the mound. So I think you'll see a good start today. They've got a righty on the mound, Will Pryor, who looking at his numbers is going to be a strike thrower. So sometimes that kind of goes against the pitcher with your hitters. But I do think this weekend you'll see more strikes, more opportunities for hitters than some of those walks we've seen so far. Coach. Uh... 
I, I don't know if I, I need to start a uh, Gamecock Club uh, Chicago branch just for baseball since Carolina keeps getting players from up there. You know, last year yeah. we had the pitcher, and now you got this kid, Bakes. Uh, I don't know how I missed him on the roster that he was from up here. Phil, listen to him take batting practice. You did too, opening day, and said it was unbelievable. The kid's gotten off to a good start. Could we see him in the lineup tonight? Uh, what What are your thoughts about him early on uh, for such a young freshman uh, from a cold weather place, you know, that's uh, down there uh, ripping the cover off the ball? Yeah, and I've had teammates. It's amazing how I many good baseball players do come from what we consider a, a tough weather environment for baseball this time of year. But I was impressed. I impressed JC with Ryan the other day. He had to catch seven pitchers. And yeah. it's that's not I was a catcher. Believe me, that one guy throws totally different than the next guy. And then you just said he had seven guys. So I really enjoyed watching him the other day. Right now, he's leading the team in hitting. So Batting 600, I'm kind of looking at his numbers as I sit here. What's good to me is already walked three times, only struck out once. So as we see him swing, I where I kind of see him becoming is that right-handed hitter when you start facing left-handed pitching. Belmont is supposed to start a lefty Sunday. So it'll be interesting to see if he kind of plugs in as that maybe a DH I don't know if you really want to take Messina out of there catching on the weekend. So I think Cole's going to catch, you know, barring an injury all three games every weekend. I I know I would because he's such an impact to the pitchers, much less as a hitter. But I do think you'll see Bakes starting to get – now you can still play left field. You know, it's one of those situations. You can see him get out there and do a little bit in left field. But I do think that our fans will start knowing his name here a lot more than you – maybe even earlier than I expected. Is there something you could see where he plays left and uh, or they switch the outfit around? And because uh, I know Causey's still got that groin. Um, and and maybe Ethan comes into first, uh, or would that, be, so. would that be something you would consider as a coach? Well, I may not have until last weekend when I saw Ethan play first because I saw him play third and I didn't like him at third. <laughs> I don't think he liked it at third, but then when I saw him come in and play first last weekend. Y'all remember he got to be involved in two plays where he showed a lot of first base athleticism. He stretched one, he picked one. I even said the other night on the radio as they started the, you know, late inning substitutions, I thought we might have saw Ethan come in and Cole go out of the game because Messina was at first just to get him a little more, but that just wasn't how it worked out the other night. So I do think that's a possibility. And, and I had asked why Causey didn't play first the other day. It is still the growing, a little bit of an issue that they're trying to avoid, you know, do something awkward playing first. You hope that don't happen as a hitter. So he'll be, I think he'll probably just still be back in there as a DH today and Casas again at first base today. Talmadge Lee Croy, uh, in-state guy, has been around the program for a while. Uh, off to a hot start. Uh, I know he's a player you got a lot of respect for, know a lot about. Uh, your thoughts on, on how he's been uh, hitting it so far uh, and what maybe uh, he can do at the hot corner to kind of improve if there's anything he needs to improve on out there. Yeah, super proud of him. I, I said all the time on the radio, I grew up playing with his dad, and they're just a baseball family. Talmadge, how about some of these numbers I'll read to you, right? And he's like leading the league in all this, batting average, 538. Uh, Let's go across seven hits. He's leading with that. 846 slugging, 739 on base percentage. 
already walked eight times, only struck out twice. Um, yeah, and what he has done following Petri and Messina has been huge because now it's not just a whoo, we made it through them two guys, we can just move on. No, he's really taking that pitcher to be responsible for it. Defensively, I think what catches Talmadge occasionally and it catches a lot of guys, we play so many shifts now on defense that a lot of times what we just think of the routine ground ball, you may be going to your right at third base to get a routine ground ball, which hardly ever happens at third. You're typically straight out or left. So I know this week, because he told me, I just started making sure I was taking a lot more odd angle ground balls in practice, standing where I have to. And he is a guy that even though his errors have happened, you still feel really good that that's not an issue, if that makes sense. He's one of those guys that he calms you because, as an old scout told me one time, the greatest tool is attendance. That means you got to be healthy and in there, and that's what his main goal this year is, keeping himself healthy and being in there every day. He wants perfect attendance if possible. Perfect yeah. attendance. I, I never quite got that certificate yeah. when I was in school. I'd always take a day off or something here or there. So, 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 Stuart, you look, you look at this team, right? And it's almost there's all these redemption stories. Okay, uh, Will Will Tippett sort of would be one, but but I'm gonna skip over him uh, and focus on Tyler Causey and, and Dylan Brewer. You know, here's Tyler Causey who wasn't even playing. Uh, who's back and, and, you know, I know he's got to get healthy enough to play first base, but boy, he's done a really good job with the bat. And I think we're seeing the signs of the Dylan Brewer. We've all uh, in the whole state hoped to see since he came out of Lada. Uh your thoughts on, on their starts and uh, you know, they're kind of uh, so far through five games breaking through and, 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 and having, uh, you know, kind of maybe playing like they're capable of playing. Yeah, I'll start with Brewer. I was still here coaching, and that was probably one of my most disappointing guys we didn't get because I just knew where he was from and the people that were telling me. Unfortunately, they were also telling Monty at the time because he was at Clemson. were telling me the things I wanted to know about. He had tremendous makeup. You can see the physical stuff. So when you go to games, it's, it's not hard to see. He's a really good player. His numbers are incredible in high school. So I was disappointed when we didn't get him. And now to get to see him back here doing what he's doing, he's just kind of grabbed on to that opportunity. If he didn't come out hot, he probably – there's a couple more guys ready to go in the outfield. But, like, right now he's hitting, you know, 438 in his own base percentage, over 500. What he does that I love and Coach Bobby Richardson loved last Friday, he bunts. And he keeps the infield so uncomfortable – because he's bunting, and, and I love that part of the game. Then he gets on base. He can run and go first to 30. You can score from first. Um, he's been really – it's been exciting for me to watch him. But now Tyler Causey, another kid that we were disappointed when he chose North Carolina. He was an in-state guy that kind of felt like he wanted to go out and make his own name and leave our state. And I don't know what all happened at North Carolina, but I know the just kind of a reset for him here – He's a guy that Monty said it to me in the dugout the other day. He realizes this is a second opportunity and is enjoying it. He's smiling. He's really easy as he walks by you. And you, some of these guys, you say hello on game days and, you know, they're locked in and they're focused and all that. He's a guy that'll stop, say hello, ask you if you got a question. So 
excited to watch him. Then he's such a physical looking guy. I mean, I, that's <laughs> I mean, what I noticed too. Is yeah. like he stepped into the box. I'm like, that is a big yeah, lefty. I'm, Look at that. That's <laughs> well, when I first went over there in the fall, I, I wasn't keeping up with numbers. I'm thinking, man, Costas looks a little taller because their bodies are so similar. But Costas is 6'4", and Causey is 6'6". So, I mean, they're both, if they end up at first base, they're really good guys that you have a hard time throwing the ball over, at least, you hope, as an infielder. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, great range right. there. Great range. That is crazy. <laughs> I was going to ask you about the bunt, Stu, because Brewer, there's been a couple other guys putting them down. Is that is that kind of part of the early season, just, you know, getting a feel for that? And and uh, we're obviously, I feel like we're going to see that more here than we will, say, in conference play. But I'm a big fan of the small ball stuff. You know, it was like advance the runner, score the run. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I love watching it. Well, I feel I think it might be something you see more this year than you have. Just because guys can do it. They're just – there's two type bunners, really. The guys that want to do it and the guys that don't want to do it. And that's what I've always said. It's that – and you see a group of guys out of this team, they've kind of taken that on. Now they start to see, man, I get my bunt now. Not only may I get a sack, which is no at bat, now I'm getting some hits. And it just really – what you try to do in these early games, you're trying to create a scouting report so that when you get the old Miss here in a few weeks, they get all the scouting reports on you. They got all the videos, so they got to tell their infielders, hey, these guys will bunt first and third. These guys will bunt with two outs. We can't be 25 feet behind third base. So you're creating your scouting report right now. And that's a big part, though, I think, of what we will see at times from this offense. Good. I like to hear that. Yeah, it's a. I think it's it's often getting lost in the you know the power game and and you know I mean the the game is still the game, right? I mean all the rule, all the old rules still apply. You can still do exactly everything you want to do because I mean that was my thing. And when I played, I wasn't a power hitter, but I got on base. Right? It was just find a way to get on base. You know, and everybody's got their job. And and yeah, the more tools you can bring to the table, the better. Well, if you can I'm, run like Blake Jackson can, that's even more. Fun. Yeah. Boy, I, I held my breath. I think it was a Tuesday game when he slid in. They called obstruction on Winthrop, starting in the shoulder, collarbone area, because I'm going, oh, man, because Blake Jackson, uh, he's a leadoff guy. I mean, whether he had a, he really didn't have a great game against Queens the other night. It was just one of those games. But when he comes to the plate, you feel like something might happen. You know, he's going to put the ball in play. <laughs> They're going to have to make a play, and I really do. Coach uh, Coach said a Brett Gardner-type guy. I could see that in a sense of the skill set, being left-handed, wearing number six. That always helps when you wear that number. To, to, but he does a lot of that. And I kind of joked on the radio that uh, he don't run quite that level of what Brett could do. I don't know if Brett Gardner ever got the credit for his ability to run like he could run when I coached him. He could hit a – I would watch Brett hit ground balls to second baseman in the SoCon and get hits on good guys. I mean, he was running incredible times down the line and carried that into his major league career as well. Yeah, I, 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 it's okay not to go with the full Brett Gardner yet, Coach. I, 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 we, I understood why you were like, nah, oh, wait a minute now. Hold on, let's not go that far. Um, all right, before I get to pitching, I'm going to ask you a, a big-picture question. You coached in the state of Mississippi. 
uh, at Ole Miss for a while. You're certainly familiar with the baseball, the passion over there. I think Founders, Bomb, and the two Mississippis are the four best atmospheres in the league. And I'll say that even when Texas comes in next year. Yes. Um, I will. Uh, what's wrong with Ole Miss and Mississippi State? I mean, uh, I guess it got lost on me. Ole Miss won it all. And then I, I, I guess I. I forgot they went six and twenty-four in the league last year. They split with Hawaii. They're they're two and three, and then Mississippi State got swept by Austin P. Gave up a bunch of runs again. I know we're only five games in, but you know those places in that sport have big standards. I know Bianco's been there for years. Uh, Lamonis won a national cha- both won national championships. Uh, what, what do you see from afar uh, that that maybe the issue um, with last year and then the start they've gotten off to this year? Yeah, I'll start with it's amazing in this league. When you win, everybody goes, yeah, you should have won. Nobody ever makes a big deal when you beat Winthrop or you beat Queens or you beat Belmont. It's when you lose. But that's for us, too. So every time the game's over, and you know, Kent Rogers' SID brings you the SEC scoreboard. That's something you get right after the game. And you immediately go through and you midweek will go, Arkansas, yeah, they won. Ooh, but when you see that loss, and like you just said, JC, that's – the national championships may be what's keeping, and I love Coach Bianco and Lamonis is one of my best friends, is probably what's keeping the Wolves a little bit further away because I can promise you, anybody that works here and wants to ever say Gamecock fans are tough, go spend some time in Mississippi and see what those fans are like because that is really it there to them because closest thing is New Orleans with the Saints. It's all about. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I I would almost venture to say they hate each other more than we hate Clemson. It is a weird, weird time in that state right now for both. And it's one of those situations that, you know, you reach out to them as friends. Um, You know, Limo is a really good friend. Coach Parker's out there now that was here. Carl Lafferty at Ole Miss is one of the best guys in the business. And you just – you hope for them to get it going because – I don't know what's going on. That's what's weird is they had such good players, and now it just seems that level has dropped off. I know they haven't quit working. I know they haven't quit recruiting. I know they're in the top five in NIL money in this league, both of them. So it really is odd what's going on there early in the year. Yeah, very strange, especially with NIL and stuff. I think sometimes – just kind of knowing recruiting, I, I thought the recruiting calendar for you guys in baseball was too daggum early. Like, way, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you did it trying to evaluate eighth and ninth graders and sticking with them that whole time. And you know, by the time they get to you, you don't know what you're going to get. I, that, I think that change has helped Carolina uh, along with the portal, uh, just because there may have been some misses. I mean, so I don't know, maybe that's it. But with the portal, you wouldn't think that. Um, and I wouldn't know of a kid if there's NIL money there that wouldn't want to go play in those environments. I mean, those are, those are. I mean, I'd I'd like to go drink a beer in the outfield at Ole Miss one day. I mean, I, I, that's that's a that's all I mean, on bucket yeah, list. Yeah, it looks like a hell of a time, right? That's yeah. a fun yeah. fun time. I mean, and you're right about that rivalry is very. I had to deal with it when I was covering both schools' football recruiting when when uh, you had Hugh Freeze and Dan Mullen there, and they were keeping all the guys there. And then on when I was at Rivals, there was a rogue website called EggBowl.com where they got in there. Yeah. Nobody moderated it, and you'd be kind of surprised to see what they said about each other you're like holy cow is this what i'm watching on thanksgiving when they play football um okay so pitching was a question mark obviously i guess if you call it that but 
Uh, so far, so good, Coach. Uh, I know the competition isn't there, but uh, the guys look like they have their stuff. I was happy to see Becker have a pretty good start this past uh, week as a lefty. Um, your your impressions there so far? Yeah, I was listening to y'all before I came on. Same rotation from last weekend. So Eli Jones again today, Dylan Eskew tomorrow, Roman Kimball a little bit longer leash for him on Sunday. And I think you'll see Becker maybe Saturday, maybe still giving till Sunday, depending on where they feel. Um, I think you'll start trying to work him in maybe for next weekend as that left-handed starter become. But I'm kind of thinking he might be a really good piece out of the bullpen as well. But, you know, I think the biggest thing this fall is everybody's trying to throw so hard. You know, they're constantly wanting to know velo. You want no spin rate. And that stuff's cool when nobody's keeping the score. I mean, it really is. It's it's awesome to say I threw this and I threw that. But when that umpire keeps pointing to first, saying ball four, nobody cares what you're throwing. And what I've really seen an effort from the majority, there's still been a few guys that haven't done so great with it yet, but I've really seen a, just a focus on let's throw strikes. Let's give ourselves a chance to play defense. we got a pretty good defense behind you. As I'd said, we've only walked to this point. Nine, we've walked 19 guys. We've hit nine guys because really trying to get in with the fastball, I think, early. is That's probably more than Coach Williams would want. But, again, struck out 48 guys. But I got a crazy number for you. So I'm trying to get used to this whole radio thing, and Derek's always so smart. We've thrown 678 pitches this year. When you start to think about it through five games, our opponents almost up to a thousand nine hundred nine fifty pitches. So our pitchers, and you got to think we haven't even like got to hit in the bottom of the seventh or bottom of the eighth. So what I want is, I'm hoping that number comes down because three hour ten run games are long games. Yeah, I right. love baseball, all right. Yeah, but I don't love bad baseball. So I'm up there thinking, thank goodness of a ten run rule, but. Well, that's the perspective I've looked at is trying to minimize down the number of pitches you make in a game to just keep your defense. There's no way your defense can play behind you. Our opponents are averaging 187 pitches a game. When you start to think of that defensively, heck, you're ready to just say, I'm going to take a knee out of here in left field. When you guys are ready to hit me one, I'll jump up. I mean, it's been slow paced. For sure. And I've been impressed that our pitchers have done a really good job with trying their very best to attack the zone and get through the nerves of the first weekend. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Me Is and there Pete some went... stress that gets put on the pitchers, uh, coach? When, because I was thinking about that, I, I think it was the Queens game that, uh, what, the second inning, first inning when we put up five runs and it, it was Becker's first start. And, you know, it took that, that inning took so long, that, that yeah. side for him just to sit there like what does that what does that put a pitcher through mentally physically to have to wait that long before he gets back out on the mound well jc mentioned uh mahoney the chicago kid last year now he's one of my favorite guys i've ever got to coach it didn't bother him at all because he was a old two-way guy and he was always letting us know that he was never cold anyway because he's from chicago so he was he was wearing short sleeves but but then there are guys that it does affect and they're wanting to put a almost like the heat blanket on their arm or they're trying to put a jacket on. You really have nowhere to move. You could go up the tunnel, but there's really not a ton of room in there to do too much. 
pitchers hate going out in front for whatever reason and throwing. If you think when we were growing up, the old guy jumping out on the morning track and throwing, they don't want to do that much. So, but it mentally, it just depends on who you are. There's certain guys that didn't care. They were so fired up, you're scoring runs. They knew that was it. Then there's other guys. You're almost like, dang, let's score the runs later because we need him kind of keeping his rhythm on and off the field. And Becker, you know, it helped. Becker's a starter and reliever mentality. So I don't think it affected him as much, but we talked about it on the radio too. Talk to Stuart Lake. Uh, all right, so real quick, Stuart, before I let you go, uh, your first weekend in the booth replacing Tommy, uh, I listened to a bunch of it, thought it was really, really good. I thought you did a really good job just from my standpoint. Uh, your impressions uh, on how it went um, uh, for you and, uh, and and your comfort level and, and all that moving forward. Yeah, last Friday was the hardest. Just I had been a big part of planning it, so I wanted to make sure that everything worked. I wanted to make sure the announcements and the, our signage. And Derek and I kind of were like, how are these first few innings going to be? Because we didn't know. I wanted to really show my respect to Derek and let him talk as much as he wanted. And then Liz McMillan said, hey, can we get Coach Richardson on early because he's got to leave? And it created a perfect bridge. So we had Coach Richardson come on on like the bottom of the first, second inning. They had said he was only going to be there an inning, and he kept waving them off like I'm having fun. And he (laughs) stayed in and just, I thought, allowed what we wanted to make sure everybody knew about Tommy flowed into it. All right, it's a game. Now let's get going with it. So I've enjoyed it. I think y'all know I love talking like y'all do, and I love talking baseball, especially Gamecock baseball. And – I, I am going to make sure that Tommy's probably mentioned about every game in some way. You know, we had a game to, this week. There's never been a foul ball, according to Tommy and Derek and John Whittle, ever hit in the press box until Wednesday night when a foul ball or Tuesday night was hit into the press box. So I got on Derek a little bit as John called it, by the way. He's clean. Very Congratulations, clean. John yeah, Whittle. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I did. I, I saw that. <laughs> and then, uh, so it is, it's fun. I just, uh, just really want to keep bringing Tommy into every game we can because he was such a big part for all of us. When I was coaching, it was fun, especially on the road. As soon as it was over, we'd all end up eating and getting a drink together after the game because Tommy saw things that I wanted to know as a coach. And, you know, so hopefully I keep respecting and showing that with my time on the radio. Absolutely. No, I think it's well on your great. way, Coach. Well on your way. For sure. All right, really Stu. Mm-hmm. Have a great uh, a great time this weekend. Knock them dead with the calls, and hopefully the Gamecocks come away with a another sweep, get two more next week, and then there's a big one next weekend. So that would uh, – that's kind of – that's when it gets real is, is that yeah. series. So uh, yeah. best of luck to you guys, and uh, certainly hope uh, you have a great weekend at Founders Park. I appreciate it. We'll be talking Clemson for sure next Friday. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Stuart. Be good, man. Enjoyed it. All right, quick break, and then we'll come back, and then we'll top of the hour break. I think we're going to squeeze. In. I'm going to squeeze in, Phil, some small questions. Okay, so the big Shane Beamer tweeted noon. Oh, I can't believe what's going on here. Yeah, I think it is that. So I don't I haven't confirmed it, but it is this English Premier League soccer game. I think is coming to. I think it's English Premier League soccer. Heck, I don't know. Uh, Williams Bryce Stadium. We'll have a big time soccer matchup. I don't know. I don't know if your girls like soccer. If you like soccer, 
I'm not a big soccer guy. I'm not a big soccer guy, but I mean, I I would watch it. It's probably like, you know, live is probably better than on TV for me there, I think. Because you can sing, ole, 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 ole. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, mean, anytime you can, you know, drink beer and and chant. (laughs) And act like the Scottish. Makes it a better time. (laughs) Scottish soccer hooligans. <laughs> All right. Uh, inside the game cast the show. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back after these messages. It's 2024 and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans, and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you getting healthy and staying healthy. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year. Hey, Gamecock fans. Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating get yourself the three amigos bundles for tailgating they make catering easy with a fresh hot setup and again you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up you can also look them up online or you can even download the app salsaritas is just a cut above the rest that's why they're serving williams price stadium and the south stands also serving in the colonial life arenas again that catering hotline number make it easy for you and the folks out there you don't need to settle for sandwiches every time 803-543-6297 803-543-6297 rescues and resin proud supporters of carolina rise they are also proud partners of the show they make products you can't get anywhere else custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate make your home or make anything stand out Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. Rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. What's up to the best fans in the country? This is Eli Jones, and you're tuned in to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Go Cubs. Jones on the mound tonight against Belmont for PM first pitch set. So Beamer's got a big old announcement at noon. English Premier League, like 
Whittle's a big soccer guy. Huge. Arsenal yeah, fan. Arsenal. I was going to say, is it Arsenal or uh, I, I don't know why? Literally, I just got off the phone with Whittle about some some other stuff, and uh, I mean, up to like ten fifty six before we went on, but I, I didn't ask <laughs> him about it. So, but that's been rumored for a little bit. Um, hey, look, I'll say this: whatever is popular, and and. That stuff's popular, man. Like we did a study, Phil, and I think under my, if the European Union wasn't so anti-business and ridiculous <laughs> with regulations and stuff, uh, we did a study at one of the networks I work for about, okay, what if you created like 24-7 sports, but for English Premier League soccer and the projections financially on those things were through the roof. Yeah, but, but it's the world's game for sure. Yeah, I mean, at, at the time they, they were part of the EU, and uh, I think everybody was just like, "Now nah, we'll just stick to college football <laughs> or whatever." But uh, that, that that somebody that's smart uh, would 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 put something like that, and I'm sure there is something like that. But uh, uh, yeah, and, and Sonder, like Sonder says, if you're sleeping on soccer, go by your youth soccer club, see how popular it is. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's a very popular sport. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's good for kids to play to stay in shape because you run, 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 run. I, to me, I, I just I wasn't raised on it. You know, uh, we're kind of not a soccer family. Uh, my little brother played for an ASO team and you know, dad sort of kind of made fun of the fact you got juice boxes and orange slices at halftime and you didn't. Yeah. That was, yeah. No, I mean, that was my first foray into organized sports was, you know, the youth soccer leagues. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's (laughs) one of those things. So I, uh, I don't know. I'm just like, you know, dude, my mother's calling me. I hope that's not bad news. She never calls in the middle of the day. Uh, and I'll get it on the break, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just not my thing. And when I covered high school sports, I, I wrote some of my best stories for soccer because there's no play by play. So you can get downright poetic with it because you got to fill copy. And it's like, well, the, the, the Johnson high Knights valiantly marched into this thing. And with the thing, and it was a physical game and, so-and-so swinging her elbows back and forth. So-and-so scored in the 10th minute to win one nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the thing it. I find hard about it is like, it, like, I don't understand the structure, not that I've, I've put a lot of time into it, but of like the European, you know, leagues and things like that. How yeah. it all sets up. Because it's like, I know there's like crossovers and, you know, leagues can play another. And then, you know, that's just Europe. And, and then they've got everything down South America and, you know, all this other stuff. And yeah, it's just, I mean, it's obviously, it's the number one sport in the world. Uh, it gets more eyes the World Cup does than, you know, any, it'll blow any Super Bowl away. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, at least worldwide. But man, yeah, it's just, It'd be interesting. It'd be it'd be interesting to have like if if it is the English Premier League thing too. Uh, what would be big name clubs? We'll have to we're not, now we have to change our terminology, right? We play on a pitch. We were a kit, and we're part of a club. Uh, so we uh, welcome two clubs uh, to the pitch at Williams Bright. Oh, oh yes, okay. Oh, yeah. uh, no, uh, look anything that's going to bring eyeballs to Williams Bright Stadium. Is good. showcase Columbia. Yeah, I'm all for it, dude. I mean, and, you know, you don't know how many uh, guys that can kick a football 60 yards through the uprights or massive soccer fans out there. And like, I want to oh, yeah. kick there. 
So. Yeah. I want to kick there. I want to <laughs> kick there. So I won't hightail it to Notre Dame at the end of, of my career. Yes. No, what would be great is if, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I hope um, – Yep, I hope hope they sell you know almost eighty thousand tickets. I'd love to see it full. I mean, there will. I mean, there will. I think I think they're going to get a crowd. There's enough of the I mean, enough soccer fans in the whole state, and then Atlanta. It's pretty popular too. The Atlanta United sell. Pretty well. I didn't realize that until the last time we went to the aquarium and we were driving around that part of the city, and there were Atlanta FC fans everywhere. I mean, they're or United Atlanta United. Yeah, I think. Uh, whatever they are, mm-hmm. so you can yeah, tell them to pay attention to it. But yeah, no, I mean they're every, everybody wearing colors, and I was like, man, this soccer's pretty big down here. Yeah, right? they sell more than the Falcons, yeah. absolutely. Right. absolutely. Yeah. And there's a large international community, obviously in Atlanta too. Like when I when I worked in high school sports, I was in Gainesville, Georgia, which is uh, Hall County. Mm-hmm. Lots of soccer popularity there, uh, and it's. Uh, a large uh, Latino population in Atlanta and a large Asian population in Atlanta. They they all like soccer. They all like baseball too. But yeah, I like well, soccer. At least the Braves are good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they one of these teams had this uh, big old uh, kid from Mexico that his name was uh, Jorge Velasquez. Had him out there kicking field goals. Dude was. <laughs> Probably not the most accurate kicker, but boy, he would kick it through the uprights on a kickoff. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was about 6'1", 280. Jeez. <laughs> and one, one day, somebody finally got a routine and get all of it. Somebody returned it. He went down and I about knocked this kid's head off. Didn't know how to tackle. Tackled way too high. Could have broken his collarbone. Anyway. <laughs> That's all right. Well, let's so, hit the break here. We're at the oh, end yeah, of the hour. Um, so we have Matt coming up next hour. Yeah, he's pulling up and uh, getting all his stuff organized here in the background. So we'll give him a couple of minutes to uh, get that worked out. And we will see y'all after the National Anthem right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. 
For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast. The char level, we use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Brings us into hour number two. Don't forget to check out Billy G's truck if you want some barbecue and you are at Founders Park. It'd be right mm-hmm. down the right field line out there, out by the little playground they got for the kids in the berm, uh, which I actually is not that bad a seat. I like kind of sitting out there. That's where I watched the last of uh, opening day out there on the berm. But go uh, tell Bill you saw it here, heard it on the show. And we'd be really happy to hear that, I'm sure. We're Tell him to send me some dry rub. 
Matt we're Anderson, out. we're out of dry rub. That's our, hey, I've had, my Publix up here carries it, so I'm I'm, I'm not going to run out. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I'm, I miss Publix with all of my heart. They don't have them up here, and so it's like <laughs> we're, we're we're Jewel Osco and Meyer with a M E I J E R. Uh, is where I have to shop, and I guess Jewel is sort of like a Publix, but ah, man, they ain't got no Billy G's barbecue rub. I'll tell you that no right barbecue. now. No Carolina so, Gold Smalls out there. <laughs> and, and yeah, for those um, for those that that, that missed it, that won't official word. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Liber the Liverpool FC and Manchester United are playing at Williams Rice Stadium August third. Uh, whether you like soccer, don't like soccer, hate soccer, love soccer, think soccer is more exciting than baseball, which I understand that point of view. I just, for me, it's just not, I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of baseball because of the, the grinding intensity of it. The fact that it isn't up and down, um, you know, look, man, it's big for the university of South Carolina. It's, it's a world stage. And like I said, any kind of exposure, any school can get, um, I think uh, is big. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna see uh, a rowdy crowd there. Hopefully, they get the field right by four weeks from that day. <laughs> uh, Matt, I know you have some thoughts on that, uh, but uh, you know, it's uh, I, I think August third's a, a pretty 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 much enough time to get it ready for football, uh, don't you think? Yeah, those are two premier clubs, no pun intended, uh, with Man U and, and Liverpool. And, you know, hey, go get your tickets early for your chance to perhaps see LeBron James, part owner in Liverpool, at uh, williams Bryce Stadium. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I have a buddy that lives over in, um, what is it, Stadium Village or something like that, um, right behind the, the Cockaboose. And he's a big soccer guy. And his family still lives in Columbia. When this rumor kind of started circulating a couple months ago, he's like, man, I'm 100% going to Airbnb my my townhouse because that's going to be an event and you'll be able to fetch a, a pretty penny. Yeah. I actually asked JC the other night. I was texting him. I was like, is this thing happening? I hear more and more smoke. And JC was like, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. But, yeah, my biggest concern is the field. Um it's going to be weird, too, because like I don't think williams Bryce actually has the right dimensions for a soccer field, so we'll, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, soccer's not my my favorite sport. I tried to get into it in college, going to the British Bulldog and stuff like that with my friends that liked it. But um, I've actually gotten more into hockey, which I think is just – hockey is just soccer on steroids. <laughs> it's just nuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, uh, hockey, they say. I love hockey to, now. <laughs> if you go to the game, and I need to go because I'm a – I like the. I'll, I've, I'm I'm dumb about that sport. Though. Don't ask me about it because I have like. Uh, and I've told this story before. During the pandemic, hockey was the first to come back because they sent everybody up to Canada, which Canada was locked down like North Korea. So I'll never really understand that. But uh, they sent it right up to Canada to play. So the Blackhawks started playing. You know, keep in mind it was my first summer up here and spring, and the Bulls, Blackhawks, Sox, Cubs, everybody got well, college basketball. They all got canceled at the same time. So we're sitting there like in, in July with an abbreviated hockey. I think the hockey just started and went, and went straight to the playoffs. So, boom, here's Blackhawks playoff. And my buddy Paul, he's a huge hockey fan. He played goalie. He coached. Uh, and, and he's just like he lives and dies with the Blackhawks. And, and so 
you know, we didn't have anything better to do. I was like, hell, it's sports. And so I'm there with my Blackhawks jersey on, grown man in a jersey. One of the few times you'd see me of that, but uh, I, I kind of deserved to be dressed that way. And I walk in, I was like, what's up, guys? What time's first ice? <laughs> first ice. When's first ice? When's first ice? <laughs> it's either face off or puck drop or whatever, but uh <laughs> I enjoyed watching them though, and I pulled for the Blackhawks until they lost. So, but they they do say, uh, and in Nashville I got this too because they have the Predators. The Predators are very very popular there. I lived there seven years, never went. Almost went one time with my friend Nakia, and then I think she got six. So we didn't go, but uh, um, they they get great crowds. But they say if, if you it's different than when you watch it on TV when you're there, and so yeah. hockey, a. I when I was younger in Florence, we had the PD Pride, which is part of like the ECHL, and my family had season tickets, so we go a lot. It was fun, but when I was in Vegas about a year and a half ago, it was like the NHL preseason, and my buddy and I were like, hey, let's, let's go to a hockey game. So we saw the Las Vegas Knights play, and of course, they won the Stanley Cup that year, so now we're lifelong lifelong Knight fans, And but it was a lot of fun. One day in the summer, I'll tell you all the Vegas story, because my Vegas was a little bit different than JC's Vegas when he went. Hey, I was bought some night some, uh, some uh, night gear. I was out there. That stuff is ridiculously high, though. I mean, it's like, I mean, you can get UNLV stuff for a dollar, but you can't get uh, <laughs> Vegas <laughs> night stuff's ridiculous. So, yeah, we had the Greenville Growl. You remember the Greenville Growl? Yeah, yeah they got the Swamp Rabbits now. They were the Swamp Warriors. Green, Greenville has a rich tradition of, uh, minor, <laughs> of league minor league hockey. hockey. Yeah, yeah. Not, not like going. So, to yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But we uh, will. Uh, yeah, Saunders going to be at Williams Bryce Stadium. He's been following Manchester United for twenty five plus years. Oh, he nice. does mention it'll be B teamers. See, that's the part of English where I don't understand that. Like, yeah, like okay, yeah. so are you sending the JV team? You know. Oh, we just send send our our second squad to to America to play over there. Let's see if you like it. Well, they I get wanna, them so I, young over there too. I like they're that. signing kids. Like we watched. Uh, gosh, I can't. Was it the? Oh yeah, you can tell I followed this a lot. No, what was this? What's the uh, the guy that married the Spice Girl? Y'all help me out. Why Beckham, I, David Beckham. Beckham. David Beckham. David like Beckham. The, the, yeah, that uh, documentary on Beckham here. And, and it was interesting to get the behind the scenes on what it's like over there and how young they pull these kids, you know, and, and start training them up. But, yeah. I, yeah I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of Scotland. So I'll find me a Scottish team to pull for. I remember that Scottish soccer hooligans. On Saturday Night Live with Mike Myers. Oh, yes. I'm the Scottish soccer hooligans. Oh, oh. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, I, look, I'm happy for all you guys that like this stuff. And uh, I, I respect fans because you guys do get up at nine o'clock in the morning and go to sports bars. And, uh, you know, you're, you, you do a great job day drinking, drinking your Guinness. <laughs> at nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, and then I know Whittles always loved Arsenal. So, uh, Arsenal, you know, he's, he's, he's all into it. And of course he's a dear friend of mine. So look, n- nothing but mad respect. I'm happy for all of you guys, uh, that it's going to happen. Mark who lives in Vegas says golden Knights are twice as popular as, as the Raiders. And, uh, yeah, well the Ra- Raiders move to Vegas is interesting because the vast majority of people I ran into out in Vegas when I'd go there for work or other, uh, 
just talking to the locals were Chargers fans. And I, I guess San Diego is not that bad of a drive. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it was interesting, though. But um, I think the Raiders kind of fit Vegas. And if they start winning, they'll be fine. Uh, oh, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, the preseason game was a sellout. I mean, it was an absolute yeah. sellout. And, you know, me and my friend actually bet on the game. We just said, hey, we're going to take the over. And the over was like 10 and a half. And sure enough, it was, the final score was seven to five. So we were we were loving life. It was just so much fun. But yeah, you're talking about expensive. Like I think the jerseys in the pro shop are like $369 or something like that for an authentic jersey. It's awesome though. But they got they got an awesome, they got an awesome setup. I, I, I do like uh I do like their uniforms and stuff. So uh that's crazy. Um an evil bougie. <laughs> bougie. I guess that's how you say it. Budgie. It says, that's I grew up both in Charleston and Glasgow, Scotland. When the Glasgow Rangers came to Charleston back in 2016, I got a scarf with both cities listed on it. I've seen a play in both places, too. There you go. Nice. Yeah, and don't hey. take it from us on the Billy G's because uh, Lori Becker said her husband got a uh, Mac attack from the truck. Yeah, and that was delicious. Mac and cheese is uh, is where it's at, what I hear, the smoked mac and cheese. I've heard that's delicious, too. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one more thing Sonder mentions. Walking into a bar at 8 a.m. on a Tuesday Mm -hmm. and asking if soccer is on is a humbling experience. (laughs) I could only imagine. (laughs) Are they going to get us? And and that's significantly harder to do in South Carolina than maybe like Chicago or Vegas. or Because there are bars around here that open up early. Um. This, this one place opens at like 6 a.m. And, and why do you open at 6? What kind of business are you doing on a weekend? And, and it's like nurses and doctors. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah get off their yeah. They go and have freaking, they're sitting there till nine and have a little breakfast to get hammered and go home and sleep. Five, five o'clock five. somewhere. That's five o'clock that's somewhere. Right. So, uh, anyway, so that's good. Well, Matt, how, how are you doing today, bud? Uh, how is, uh, how's everything going? Um, as far as uh, your bracketology work, uh, some interesting things happened this weekend. LSU beats Kentucky, or this week, LSU beats Kentucky. I thought, I thought Arkansas going to A and M and winning was significant. Um, Ole Miss continues to lose. Uh, your thoughts right now before a big game tomorrow, as as to where the Gamecocks are currently uh, sitting uh, with regards to, to March Madness. Almost feels like we're at a fork in the road, but I'll let you take it. Yeah. I mean, I listened to Mike yesterday on your show. I thought he did a pretty good job, you know, talking about, you know, you have the doomsday people over here, then you have the optimistic people over here, and it's probably gonna be somewhere in the middle. Uh, Gamecocks are too good of a team not to go out and take, you know, two to three of these last five, in my opinion. So I think that the Gamecocks continue doing what they've been doing. Um, You know, the the Auburn game, whatever. I don't care. The... (laughs) The LSU game, I care about that one. Yeah, they can't They can't let – that's the game that beats you twice. It's not the Auburn game. It's the LSU game that beats you twice, especially with a long layoff. So going on the road, Ole Miss is going to be a challenging opponent, Chris Beard. Um, I know, JC, you think he's one of the top five, if not the best coach in the country right now. I, I agree. I think that, you know, he he's winning in different ways this year. He's winning more with offense, and Chris Beard teams have always been pretty strong defensively. I don't think Ole Miss is that great um, defensively, but the Gamecocks are, they're in a really good spot. I mean, everybody else has five or six games left. Like I said the other day on the show, when you look at that, where the Gamecocks are in quad one and quad two, you know, it's not the be all and end all, but 
there are still so many teams surrounding them within a game or two of, you know, how many quad one and quad two wins the Gamecocks have that these teams are going to lose. They're not going to go undefeated. And if the Gamecocks can just hold serve, I think the Gamecocks are looking somewhere in that five to seven range right now. But if they go win four out of their last five, Gamecocks could go up, work their way up to the three line. Jeez, yeah, I think so too. I think the three is within reach. Uh, you know, it, it sucks because it uh, there's there are some 2016-ish things going on with the net right now, similar to the RPI that year where, uh, for whatever reason, that year they were like, do or die, top 50 RPI wins no matter what. <laughs> Homer Road doesn't matter. Uh, and so South Carolina had had a lot of teams that they had beaten earlier in the year, like fall back into that 55-60 range. Turns out A&M, who won the SEC, was their only top 50 win when all was said and done. There was no like uh, quad one, quad two. No, there was nothing like that. If they'd had that, Carolina had gotten in probably. But you look at the net today. Virginia Tech 51, Grand Canyon 52. Just... Those have been right. Grand Canyon's been safely inside the top 50 for a while, but teetering. Uh, Virginia Tech actually, uh, by virtue of their 34-point blowout win against the Wahoos, their rival, they've actually shot back up. Um, but you're right, you know, because you, you don't want it to turn out like you're at the end of the year, you're sitting there. What if Kentucky – slides and that ends up being a Q2 and you're sitting there with one quad one win. I mean, that that's the, be- that's the scary part. That's the scary yeah. part. The good thing though, is the Gamecocks only have quad five, quad one opponents the rest of the, the rest of the way. Sure. And as long as, you know, I, I, I foresee, I think the Gamecocks are going to find a way to stay in the top four of the sec standings, which I think is, you know, you want to win the sec, but right now you want to stay in top four, because if you do have an end of year slide, you'd rather be playing a team that has no legs because they've pulled some upsets in the sec tournament, or you'd rather play a team that, you know, is another quad one opportunity. And once you get to that, the semifinals of the sec tournament, it's going to be a lot of really good high quality teams and they're all neutral court games. So, you know, even if you have a Georgia, an uh, Ole Miss, you know, one of these teams sneak in, they're kind of hovering around like that 75 in the net. It's still going to be a quad one game there as well. But if you look at it, one of the things that I know that the committee looks at, and you hear Joe Lenardi talk about this a lot, how many teams have you beat that are in the NCAA tournament field? And South Carolina has, you know, Grand Canyon's probably going to have to win their league. So they're, they're conference championship um, tournament, but you beat, Tennessee, you beat Kentucky, you're going to have a chance to beat Florida. Mississippi State's kind of lingering around there. You've already beat Mississippi State. Yeah, you already beat Ole Miss. They're kind of lingering around. So, you know, the Gamecocks have have good wins. Virginia Tech, probably not an NCAA tournament team right now, but they can get hot. And then you look at, you know, that, that conference tournament week. That's when the crazy things happen. And right now, I think that the bubble is pretty – pretty soft at the moment. I think there are probably, you know, I'd say eight to 12 teams that still realistically have a shot to get in subway tournament with an at large. But, you know, if, if you're a Gamecock fan or you're a team, or if you're a Gamecock fan, that's worried about it, you, you definitely want the, the St. Mary's to win the West coast conference basketball tournament. You don't want, you don't want bid thieves. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the mountain West, how many teams they ultimately get in. Um, you know, that's the, that's the thorn in the side. I mean, Gamecocks don't have to worry about 
you know, a lot of teams in the ACC, a little bit in the Big East, but even the Big East teams are kind of teetering around the NCAA tournaments. So I, th- I think that if you're the Gamecocks, you take this spot that you're in right now and you get excited about it. I think that, you know, whenever, whenever you have a long delay like the Gamecocks have had right now where you had a week off after back-to-back losses, that's when fear and doubt and you have nothing to watch. So you're out watching the Gamecocks play and you're just thinking about the worst. But Gamecocks already beat Ole Miss this year. They're pretty good when they play a team a second time in a season. So far this year, at least. So I'm, I'm excited about the game. I think it's a great opportunity because I, I do think that, you know, whereas you look at it now and you're kind of um, you're kind of hoping that uh, – Grand Canyon and Virginia Tech get back on the right side of that 50 so you can have those quad one wins. But you also look at it, and, and, and there's an opportunity. I mean, they beat A&M and Ole Miss, which I think both of those teams are beatable on the road. Um, it's not going to be easy. They could easily lose both of them. But a and um, I think a lot of times it depends on which A&M team you get. So are they going to be the super fired up bunch to beat Kentucky and Tennessee at home? Or are they going to be the team that lost to Vandy and, Ar- and has lost to Arkansas twice this year? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, you know, Ole Miss is fighting for their lives. They have been in a slump for a while and it's getting late. So if they don't win, if they don't win Saturday, you know, they're probably, I think Lenardi finally dropped them out first four out the other day. And they're probably going to sink even further. They're they're net sitting there at about sixty eight. Uh, but if you win these next two, then the narrative completely changes, Matt. Because at that point, you're eleven and four. You're twenty three and five. You're in the tournament, even if you lose the last yeah. three. Uh, you're in probably as I no worse than a seven or eight, probably a six. You can chase the SEC at that point because everybody else is going to still be within striking distance of you. And you got two massive home games at Colonial Life Arena. And, you know, you win these two and you've got the SEC uh, that you're playing for against Tennessee and Florida in front of you. I think those could be two of the most epic crowds in the history of this program if that happens, if it sets up that way. It's been so fun. And, Phil, I know that you were at the LSU game and you kind of saw the energy in the arena. It's been like oh, yeah. that since Kentucky. And, you know, just remember, too, Gamecocks had a bad week. And it took the Gamecocks forever to get into the top 25 this season. But they stayed in the top 25. You know, the, the pollsters still think the Gamecocks are a top 20 team in the country. That's where the Gamecocks are right now. <laughs> They're a top 20 team in the country. And, you know, the shoe always seems to drop on the Gamecocks. And, you know, we're a well-conditioned bunch. <laughs> You know, it's almost like the hamster that gets denied the cheese every season they go through the process. But, um, yeah, I think that – I think the Gamecocks are fine. I mean, I'm not stressed over it. I don't know why. Normally I would be. I'm not worried. Um, you know, it's a, it's a little bit different than that, that you know, Final Four team where they kind of went as Sundarius went. You know, there weren't a lot of times where another player popped up with a 25-point game and – you know, the whole offense ran through Sundarius. I think this is a better offense than it was a couple of years back. And I think they're they're better equipped to withstand this type of stretch in the season, especially with the way that Collins playing and getting everybody, you know, rowing in the same direction. I think that's what this week was all about. They had to take your defense out there. I, I think uh Talon Cooper needs to get back on track, but I, I tell you with as many minutes as he was playing, the more I think about it when you talk about and, and somebody in the chat box, Eric, talks about 
how they've been inconsistent. And, and I, I, I kind of get where you're coming from as far as if you look back uh, to the old Miss game or really the Georgia game, although Georgia got off to a hot start because Georgia was hitting, what, 80% from the field? And then they cooled off and Carolina quickly took control of the game and that was it. But you look back, Ole Miss, you know, you're up 17. They come back, cut it way too close. Uh, Vanderbilt, you, you're down at halftime to those guys. Um, of course, the halftime score is one of the most worthless scores in, in all of sports, I think, sometimes. But uh, then you go and get blown out by Auburn, and then you blow a lead against um, against Ole Miss. And, and then the losses this year, you know, South Carolina's blown a lead in all of them but Auburn, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, even Alabama, oh, right. they're up one. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if that the one point's a big deal, but you think Clemson 11 points in the second half, Georgia nine points in the second half, LSU 16 in the second half, they've only lost five games. So the, you know, so that's, uh, that's, that's sort of a concern and, um, and I get it. And, and Ole Miss is a team that's going to come back on you. Um, just like LSU. And, and so you got to kind of hold them off, but, uh, I, uh, I, I'm nervous now. I'm I'm going to be kind of sick to my stomach if they lose the next two, and then you got to have Florida, who's you know lost a tough one to Bama, but they're still red hot. And then Barnes coming in here with his bunch, you're trying to. You, you, at that point, I think you're dog paddling, trying to keep your head above water. I, I think you win, even if you win one of the next two, Matt. You don't come home with any kind of like big pressure, other than. Hey, you could go win the SEC, but if you don't, you're still in the tournament. That was the goal, blah, blah, blah. Well, any any coach in the country at the Power 5 level, when they have back-to-back road games, the, the the hope is to win both, but the realistic thing is don't get swept. You know, that that's what – the road is tough, and I don't care what Power 5. You can talk about the Pac-12, the ACC. It's still difficult to go on the road. These are still, you know, Power 5, high-major basketball players – that you're playing against that can make threes, they can dunk, they can play defense, and it could be their night. So the Gamecocks get through the stretch, you know, win one, lose one. They're just fine. You come back home. The air is not going to be taken out of the basketball for the crowd. There's still going to be something to play for. And a lot of these teams that the Gamecocks are kind of clumped up against, you know, in, for a chance to, to win the SEC regular season, they all have to play each other too. So how is it going to break for Auburn? Well, Auburn only has one of those opponents, but – you know, has Auburn peaked and now we're seeing what Auburn can be? I mean, did Kentucky crack the code at home against Auburn? I don't know. I know the Gamecocks have cracked a lot of codes on Tennessee and cracked the code against Kentucky. Um, but yeah, I think if you go two and three, three and two the rest of the way, you're still probably looking at, at a worst of a seven seed. I, re- I really think that's where the Gamecocks are probably going to end up that six, seven line if I'm projecting out. But remember, Six times four is 24, and seven times four is 28. So they still have one of the 24 to 28 best resumes in the country if it if it comes down to that. And South Carolina definitely has a top 20 resume right now. I'd prefer six over seven. I six think. is the number. Six is where you well, want to be. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you're either playing a team that had to go to Dayton or, you know, you're playing a team that just kind of snuck in. Now, there's been a lot of 11 seeds to win. You know, it's not like the 12. The 12 is kind of cursed, the 5-12 game. Every year, I, th- I think there was one year where the 5 didn't lose, but usually a 12 will beat a 5. But um, 
Yeah, if you ask me, I'd rather him probably be a four or three, but uh, I think they'll have to. They have one more loss in them uh, to get that. I think you know if you lose two or more to to, to go down the stretch, they're not going to get there. But um, I just uh, you know I, I I hope that I hope the issue was they were tired. Uh, uh, Auburn and South Carolina, Matt, were the only two SEC schools that did not get a break yet. Um, so maybe that's it. Maybe that was Auburn's problem too against Kentucky. Kentucky decided to guard. And they were just out of gas uh, after putting 101 on the Gamecocks. Who knows? Who knows what's going on? Um, anyway, Gamecocks do play tomorrow. 3.30 tip-off, is that correct? Eastern Time, SEC Network in Oxford, Mississippi. John Whittle is on his way out there to cover it uh, from the Pavilion at Oxford for the thebigspur.com. And regardless, we'll have him on the show on Monday to talk about it. He'll also, I believe, have a lot to say about this soccer thing. This is uh, He snuck off on me today. Uh, you know, he snuck in the car and uh, and and uh, had a trip, but this is right up his alley. Uh, Phil, I guess we're going to hit a break. Yep, yep. Let's hit a break. And, Matt, uh, and yeah, when we come back, back, we'll talk about a little bit about like football recruiting and the calendar and all that, Matt. We're going. Yeah, JC, I also want to come back. I want to finish one note about basketball. Just some fun sure. statistics for you that I think that'll, you know, once we talk about seeding, it'll be fun to talk about. I love fun statistics. I'm excited to be about this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. (laughs) This is a good plan. (laughs) That's right. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game 
Turn that swag on. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show. Brought to you, of course, by the Barn Dominion Co. Barndo Co. What is it? The Barndo Co. Barndominium Company.com. Trying to can't remember and I forgot to write it down. Anyway, check them out. $160 per square foot for new construction. They've got kits. Uh, about to expand into Tennessee, if I remember correctly, what JB was telling us. So uh Go ahead and line that up. I was looking at them. It's interesting. Like it's, you know, you go through these rotations, right. Of things where you, uh, you know, kind of dream and wish and, and, you know, kind of put your intention out into the world. And uh, I found a couple of floor plans that I would uh, really love to execute from Bondo Co. At some point on a little piece of land out uh, in relatively nowhere. <laughs> T.R. T.R. <laughs> That's the problem with some of those, like TR, man. The, the prices are getting too expensive around here in Greenville. I'm I'm happy that we're well established here, uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's you you can't move into or out of here now unless you're getting an apartment, and even then, it's going to cost you <laughs> dearly. <laughs> oh, nuts! What kind of stats you got man. for us, Matt? Let's yeah. see what kind of numbers. <laughs> Yeah, so I was just messing around the other day online, and I found this website. I believe it's accurate. It's from 1985 to 2023. Um, interesting, JC, you mentioned the five seed, and, you know, you really rather not be one. A five seed has never won the national championship. Zero percent. <laughs> um, so if, you, if the Gamecocks are on that five line, you know, don't, don't pick them to win at all. But um, the five seed wins 65% of the time against the 12 seed. Uh, six seed wins 61.8% of the time against the 11. And then the seven seed wins 61% um, of the time against the 10 seed. Just interesting. Interesting, I think. Um, but you know, by and large, you know, looking at, you know, getting to the sweet 16, um, you know, it's really, really tough to do it if you're not on that top seven, um, you know, top seven seed. So just interesting, you know, you might not want to be a five seed because the five twelve, but I wasn't aware of this. But the five seed actually wins more than the six seed does, which is crazy. Wow. Um. So yeah, five seed wins sixty five point one percent of the time. The six seed wins sixty one point eight. I think I know the reason for that. Is though, there a jump? I, I think I think a lot of times the eleven is a is not a mid major. They love to put like the last power. Like they'll throw a Seton Hall in there or a Arizona State or somebody like that in. Um, but then 12 is normally a mid-major. Um, although yeah. South Carolina was a 12 in 1989, but I guess the Metro may have been considered mid-major back then. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it's uh, Carolina's been, uh, there were 12, there were two, there were three, there were 10, and there were seven uh, when they went to the final four. So, and one thing I've noticed lately, uh, in addition to it seems the 16s beating the ones are a little more common. It's happened twice now. Um, Purdue. That's that's why Purdue. Why in the hell would anybody hype Purdue? 
Why? <laughs> How many Final Fours Purdue been to ever? I don't know if they had been to one. I don't, I don't think, think they. I mean, unless it was back in the forties, I don't think they've ever been. Uh, their women's team won a national championship in nineteen ninety four, but they have ne- Purdue men's basketball. They, I mean, and, and sure enough, like you know, a couple of years ago, they lost to a sixteen seed. That's embarrassing. And Purdue Pete is the freakiest looking, scariest mascot I've ever seen. <laughs> and the and and the talent at Purdue on campus is not as good as some of our southern schools and other schools in general. But uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so it looks like that. And then I think too, your ones and twos, Matt, in recent years, and and you know maybe you disc- discount the pandemic year. They've been more vulnerable to your sevens and eights uh, and nines in the second round. I think that was Especially a lot more teams. rare than it, than it is now. Yeah, so. I mean, if you look just historically, um, a number one seed has an 84.2% chance to get to the Sweet 16, and a two seed has a 62.5% chance to get to the Sweet 16. So that's another reason that I like that three, that three line, the six line. <laughs> The seven to ten line, and the Gamecocks knocked off a two seed in Duke a couple of years back, and on their way to the Final Four. Um, it's it's pretty it's pretty. Look at the numbers. I mean, a national champion sixty three point two percent of the time is a one seed. So yeah, the best teams usually win it, but, but you give a chance of win a national championship. Not all the time. Gosh, wouldn't have been that way in twenty seventeen if the Gamecocks just had a little more in the tank. I. I I was at the final four and I'm, I'm still convinced that that North Carolina team did not play well out there. They, they, they snuck by Oregon and then Gonzaga like crapped the bed worse than somebody on a five day bender that went to the Mexican buffet uh, and then fell asleep. I mean, they were Gonzaga was just awful. I don't know if maybe they got the flu and went into that Monday game like that, but I think South Carolina I don't think North Carolina wanted any kind of anything to do with the way South Carolina was playing defense. Nothing. No. I mean, you know, so, but anyway, uh, we'll never know. Just like never know if they'd have beaten Navy in 84 in football or beaten Tennessee in 2013 in football. Or mm. If, it, if, if, and butts had candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. And that what you say, okay, I don't know. So yeah, those are great stats there. Those are great stats. Uh, so I, I don't know. I would prefer them off the seven ten or eight nine game, um, just because you're going to draw somebody pretty tough, and then the next round you're going to be a, a massive underdog, uh, depending on who you get matched up with. Of course, that's why I don't like the four and five line because you're going to yeah. match up against a one seed. I mean, yeah. usually one seed. Like I don't like four or five, even though it's a heck of a season to get a four seed. It means you're in the top sixteen teams in the country, and guess what? Yeah. Here's your Prize behind door number one, Connecticut. But that's <laughs> six. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to play UConn. I don't. UConn, Kansas. Let's avoid those. Oh, uh, you don't want to play Houston right now. Houston's my dark horse pick for the national championship. They, I, and, and it's not really a dark horse. I mean, they're protected one seed, but you know they don't have the fanfare of a Connecticut, who's you know in a blue a blue blood in my mind. Houston is. They are something. If you get a chance to watch them play, I don't know how often you guys have seen Houston play this year. They are frank on steroids with what they're trying to do on defense. Really, I mean, yeah. the Iowa State coach the other day, I think, no, a Kansas State guy said, "I've never seen in my entire life a defense like we just played against Houston." 
He's, I've never seen it. It's the best defense I've ever seen. They're unbelievable. That's, that's defense. I wish the Gamecocks had found a way to go after Kelvin Sampson after all that stuff in Indiana when he, when he was just starting out at Houston. I thought there was a chance for him to come oh. back to the East Coast. And he was on the radar for a little bit, I think. Um, it happened to several times. Um, yeah. He turned it down because he's from North, Eastern North Carolina. He's yeah. a Carolinian. He turned it down during the fiasco search that, uh, or I don't know if he ever got offered, but he, he withdrew his name. He was at Washington State at the time. I think after Fogler left, or maybe even during that period between Crimmins and Fogler, because he, I think he was an assistant for George Raveling at Southern Cal, and that's where Mike McGee came from, was Southern Cal. And so, so he, and Mike, he and McGee knew each other. And so they always kind of, and I think Kelvin Sampson was at Washington State at the time, and he's always kind of been a guy that was rumored for this yeah. gig. But uh, different style. You know, Houston doesn't put up a lot of points. They uh, they grind it out. They have good players. They play defense. Uh, they've um, and Craig says they got grown ass men, and they do. I mean, they they play, do. Oh my gosh, they I play think tough. <laughs> Yeah, Craig was um talking about the Houston Iowa State game. I think on Monday night because that game came on during my show, and I got to catch the second half. And I was just and Iowa State's no slouch on defense either. By the way, I- Iowa State can be up, but it was just Houston was on another level, another level. Um, yeah. So JC, you said you want to talk about some NCAA football and some scheduling stuff. What's what's going on? Yeah, yeah. And I'll just add this too. Uh, yeah, Iowa State's coach TJ Olzerberg, Olzerberg. He was at UNLV for a while. Um, he, uh, he's a good coach for them. He's a good coach for them. So that's, uh, that, that's good. But yeah, it's uh, Houston is, uh, going to the big 12 has meant absolutely nothing for their basketball program other than we're, they're really good, <laughs> you know, and that's, uh, uh, they're number one in the net in case anybody was wondering, uh, they've only lost quad one games. They're, they're 14 and zero against quad two, three, and four, 15 and zero at home. 4-0 on a neutral court. It's five slamma jamma. It is not, but it is a, a nice brand of basketball for sure. Um, okay, so Blind Squirrel has something interesting to say. Let, let's talk about this. Then let's take the brother break, Phil. Let's come back and finish out the hour with football. Jesus is my joy, but I also dated a girl named that. So I guess I have experience finding. You dated, you dated somebody named Jesus? Joy, joy. Oh, yeah, joy. joy oh, don't, is what I assumed. Don't I feel like a horse's patoot? Okay, I was just like, <laughs> this is my ex girlfriend, Jesus. This is my ex girlfriend, Jesus. 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 Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we, we, we in prison. Good Lord. Yeah, Billy says he doesn't want to play Kansas either. I don't either. Although, occasionally, Kansas will have a great team and they'll choke. Bill Self. He is a, he will choke every now and then, but I'll play Kansas all day every day. They only have five players. They don't have they have no bench. They might have a sixth guy, but they got they, they got no bench. Yeah, and if I'll you get them away from home and you're a decent team, yeah, you're more than likely going to beat them. So the I'm going to stick with that. I don't want to play Kansas. Now I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick now, with that. Kansas has KU. been known to you know self will put on a show and and make that run. That's for sure. I have some I, I want North Carolina. That's who I want. I, I have some friends. Already beat Duke. Let's go beat North Carolina. I have some friends that are Kansas fans, and 
I love them to death, but man, I could not be a Kansas fan. You know, they sit there and sing like a choir. <laughs> Rock, chalk, jayhawk. I mean, it's like the, the Vienna Boys Choir at Allen. <laughs> K. I'm like, that is just so, ugh, it's, it's cringe, dude. I mean, we, you know, Carol, South Carolina has a rival that at times can be a little cringe. I know Texas has a rival that can at times be cringe. It's it's nothing compared to KU. I, I just I'm just not uh, I'm just not there. Uh, Dave Odom almost went into Allen Fieldhouse and beat Kansas a number of years ago. I remember I that. Remember. That was with um, Carlos Powell, I, I think. That. John Chapel was on that team. Um, yeah. I don't know. By the way, John um, Chapel. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go to break after this. But um, uh, Monday night, JC, you don't know this yet. Phil does. I'm gonna have Tony Kitchings. Oh my yeah, show I was going to say we need to promote the show. So. We were just talking about Tony Kitchings, like uh, with with because uh, we talked about Chuck Itson yesterday yeah. uh, with Mike because Mike had a trivia question about uh, Chuck Itson leading the SEC and steals and stuff, and we talked about Kitchings and Marius Petrovicius, <laughs> who who gave the the epic post game interviews. Marius, how do you feel like things went tonight? I am bold. <laughs> I bold. I- you know what his favorite sport was? His favorite sport was handball. Goat her. That was Petrovich's favorite sport well, was handball. Handball. I mean, maybe it got better as he went as he went on. This was probably during the Fogler era because he like one night he just went off. Now when he was getting, when he got going, he was he was almost unstoppable. Uh, then he'd lose confidence for long stretches, <laughs> and it wasn't pretty. But he yeah. was he was unstoppable. He was no so anyway, George check. That's for sure. George Formanic. <laughs> How about O'Brad Ignanovic and Bojan Popovic back in the day? Formanic came in with a guy named Peter Van Ellswick, another <laughs> dude that was not. And then uh, Benulius and Chak Tevishus were, were friends. Yeah, Lamanius. Lamanius. And then he ended up with Kotsar, who was – would you say Kotsar was the greatest – Eastern European, South Carolina player in the modern Estonia era. represent man. Yeah, he's got it. I think so. I think he, he was that dude. That dude. He's was an all star overseas too. Like he had. He's a, he like had a the, good career. He's unbelievable. He's he's freaking LeBron James. <laughs> I saw a clip of him just take the dang ball, dribble it between his legs, all the way ninety four feet down the court, and dunk over two people. Ha ha! I am Mike Kutzer. <laughs> Frank's like. Frank's uh, just all, you know, Frank, Frank's, I, I, I don't care who he's playing. I don't care if he's playing for Vladimir Putin over there. Uh, it couldn't be as hard as playing for Frank. And, and that dude's probably just like playing free and clear and, and just like balling. Frank, balling. Frank would bench him. He would bench him for taking about 94 feet and dunking on two people. Bad, bad decisions, man. Bad decisions. Uh, right. Yeah. That's I, I, love, I, I was so happy for Frank. I watched, I watched his game Tuesday night. We were at bingo and they just happened to be on and, they, it was just like a lot like South Carolina. You know, they play fast. They get up and down the court. A lot of missed shots. Good defense. A lot of scowls. Uh, but this was their game, their own. And I look back and look at kind of their season, woefully inconsistent. Lose losses to LaSalle, who's at the bottom of the league. But they're, they're getting there. Frank's going to get those guys right. That, I mean, that's a tough league. They're going to get those guys right. So, anyway. Oh, gosh. Dave, somebody mentioned David Ross. <laughs> Yeah. I think we know David Ross a little bit. Uh, I, I knew David Ross. I met David Ross um, 
his the summer before his freshman year, he was hanging out with Hagen Rouse, and I was at summer camp, and David was there, and David and Hagen were good buddies, and they could shoot the crap out the ball, like absolutely shoot the crap out the ball. But yeah, I don't think David averaged like thirty five a game as senior year in high school, like down in Florida. I think it was crazy. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, Frank has a tweet out. This is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Frank put it oh, he, he's just praising that. Kansas State. I thought he was going to take a shot at South Carolina because he's like, the Kansas State people protected me. But that was when he got sick. So that was, a, I think that's what he's referring to. I, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't think Frank's going to be coming to any Gamecock get togethers anytime soon. They're going to have to have some time pass for that one. I hope that, you know, Legends Weekend in a couple of years, he'll come back and he'll get a standing ovation for what he did for the Final Four. But I don't know if Frank's ever coming back, y'all. I mean, well, His wife I mean, Kentucky, Kentucky um, close at the Gamecock Kentucky basketball game. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Uh, but no, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I'll i say this uh, about Frank. You know, sometimes a guy will have a breakthrough like that. I kind of always, when it looked like the end was nigh, you know, like, all right, they're never going to get over 18 wins no matter what. Uh, they're always going to be on the wrong side of the bubble. I always thought that, you know, you look at Florida, and, uh, and I spent the first part of the show talking about how terrible Florida basketball was uh, until Norm Sloan got there and did something. Uh, and then Lon Kruger took them to the Final Four that year. You remember in 94, uh, they lost to Duke. or Yeah, they lost to Duke in the Final Four in Charlotte. And then he kind of like went downhill, was about to get fired, and bolted to Illinois. Really good coach Lon Kruger was, right? Lon Kruger's a hell of a coach. But um, he got out of Dodge, and then they hired this guy from Marshall, Billy Donovan, who claimed to fame was uh, leading Providence to the Final Four. And um, look what Rick happened. Tino, took him took to the next level. You know, you, you see, hire this guy, Lamont Paris, and Billy's uh, Donovan's record at Marshall, he wasn't he, he wasn't at there. He wasn't at Marshall. Like Paris was at Chattanooga five years. I think it was like two or three, but it was unremarkable. I think they had an NIT, something like that. And they took a chance on him. Dude had a bad year his first year, then blew up like, like, uh, as I used to say back in the day, you blow up like the crack man's pager. <laughs> There's a new Jack city reference yep. there. Or the pagers back in the eighties. All right. I've talked enough. Uh, we'll, We'll get a yeah, short break. What, we'll, uh, Why don't yeah, we we'll double take, it? Yeah, we're going to double here for the top of the hour here. And uh, yeah, when's yeah, Kip coming well. in? By the way, Kip's coming at eleven. I mean eleven. Hell, uh, at one twenty. One twenty. So we got a little yeah, time. We'll, we'll All right, Matt. This one. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll talk the football recruiting schedule here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, "Oh Lord Jesus, it's a fire." <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. Disaster comes uninformed. During and after natural disasters or accidents, there can be a heavy loss to property. Having your home or office destroyed or damaged by water, fire, smoke, or mold affects your personal and business lifestyle. Resto Pros of the Midlands is here to help. Open 24-7. Call them when you need them. 803-493-0170. Resto Pros of the Midlands. RestoProsMidlandsSC.com. Quality that is guaranteed. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. 
Well, our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Attention baseball and softball players. For virtual hitting lessons and evaluations, contact former baseball record holder and All-American Michael Campbell at 859-414-8240 or email soupsswingshop at gmail.com. Go Gamecocks. Gamecock Traditions, South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock related. The best selection for basketball, baseball, football, tailgating, kids stuff, and everything else. If it's got the Gamecock logo, it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions. Most importantly, they ship it to your doorstep. Order online at GamecockTraditions.com where there's always a sale. Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com. A tradition unlike the others. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
With a little love and some tenderness, we'll walk upon the water. We'll rise above the mist with a little peace and some harmony. We'll take the world together. We'll take 'em by the hand. 90s. Mm-hmm. I, I was up in Spartanburg at the time, and I remember I was like, "Wow, this is really cool, big for South Carolina," you know. And and they started out with time, and when he kicked into "Can you teach me about tomorrow?" I mean, that just mm, that just hit right right at that moment. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so uh, the NCAA number one, uh, I had not read the details of this. The, and apparently, I guess the schools asked for it. Because of, of cost saving measures, it's probably the little schools that, because that you know you go decorate the recruits on their official visit, decorate their hotel room. The NCAA said no, you can't do that. You got to keep the cookies and, and 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 trinkets in the lobby. Which of all the crap going on in college sports right now, man, whoever they need to fire whoever decided to make that decision, because that person is not doing anything. <laughs> I mean. You know, all right. So you got all these—they need some problem solvers up there, not people like, "Hey, what are you going to do about uh, pay for play and transfer portal and and, and all this stuff?" Well, guys, guys, you know, guys, I just really feel like we shouldn't let them have cookies in the in their rooms anymore. Just well, it's we no different than what we did to Jerry Spurrier back in the day, where she would make yeah. cookies and stuff. Cookie gate, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what a bunch of miserable buttholes in Indianapolis to come up with that. I mean, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Now, apparently the schools asked for it. Now, I guarantee it's not a school like South Carolina. They're not going to sweat over a round of hotel rooms no. and early check-in, right? Yeah. Um, I, it's these group of five people. See, I'm going to start to hate the group of five. That's it. We are, we are turning into to hate a group, the group of I'm turning five. against yes. the group of five yep. because they have they, they, none of those schools have any business being at the top level of college football, yet they demand a piece of the playoff, yet they demand this. They, I mean, they get, you know, we think we pay, schools pay FCS schools a lot. FCS gets about three to 500,000 to come for a game. A group of five school, 1.5 to 2 million. Mm-hmm. And they fleece FBS. And they don't have any chance to win a national championship. There's no chance for a championship anywhere. So I'm, um, and not all of them are that bad, but I guarantee you somebody, 
with a low budget was like got together with his other poor people and that, you know, poor programs that have no business, you know, look, dude, I, I'm going to say this. You don't need, if you live in a, in a neighborhood and part of your neighborhood is, uh, you know, 250 to $300,000 homes. And the other part, the gated part, which you claim to be a part of the gated part, right? Is 1.5 to 2 million. You don't need to have any say in the homeowners association. <laughs> Like, like you don't need to be going and telling these guys behind the gate how to, what the hell their house needs to be doing. No, no, uh, uh, no, 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 sir, no, sir, no, no sir, no. Sir. Anyway, <laughs> but that's uh, that's kind of what I feel like they're doing. So that's stupid. Um, another thing that I don't know if it's going to alleviate the pressure or not. They want to move signing day, Matt, for football because they got they got to loosen up December somehow. Um, back to, I think, uh, right after the championship games or right before, and then the portal will open the next. So the portal will never conflict, uh, with signing day for high schools. Uh, your thoughts on that? I don't care. Like, I'm just so over a lot of this stuff. Like, do what you're going to do. You're going to be in the NCAA for another three to five years. Then we don't have to listen to you anymore. And then the big 10, the SEC are going to make all the rules which I'm, I'm here for. That's fine by me. I don't care anymore. But, you know, changing the dates, like I'd rather them just go back to like one national signing day in February because now with the way the transfer portal works, you know, you're working, like know what your roster is going to be. And then in signing day, you can make adjustments in February. Like I, I'd rather just go back to that. That was more fun. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand it. I, I mean, I understand trying to make the calendar a bit cleaner and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, I'd go by to February. I yeah, mean, I mean, just then, then, get rid of it all together. I mean, what does it matter you have, if you move it up yeah, two weeks or just sign sign whenever you want to? I mean, it used to be that high school players that wanted to enroll early never signed. Uh, yeah. They just enrolled. And uh and that was good. And then, uh, then everybody who wanted to sign away till February waited. So many enroll early now, though it's kind of weird. But uh, I just, you know, I, I, I'm with uh, Dave Biddle from our Ohio State side. Had a good column out today about this. I'm for a summer signing day. If you're going to move it back like that, which they are, and most schools guys are done. If you've noticed by the season, there's a handful of players here and there, but but by and large, most schools knock this out now with official visits over the summer. Just let them sign in, in, in August. And, and and that takes a lot of pressure off a, a young man for his senior year of football, uh, pressure off for his senior year academically if he's trying to get out early and graduate. Um, you know, you, you can kind of relax. All the phone calls stop, you know, if you're signed. I don't, I don't know why Dabo even mentioned doing it that way. The problem is, is, oh, guess what? Let me, there's some news for you guys. The NCAA is not only incompetent, they're freaking lazy. Okay. <laughs> because, because if you do that, you have to have a quick and easy wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You're released from your letter of intent uh, situation. Uh, now, you may ask, well, well if, if there's a coaching change, the portal opens for these guys. Yeah, that's the portal. Letter of intent is governed with a completely different thing, and it's binding. So the paperwork alone, because you're going to have you know, 15, 20 coaching changes, the paperwork alone 
is gonna is something I don't think the NCAA wants any part of, but they still want their control and their power and their rules and, and all that. So that's I, I think they're lazy and I think I think it's paperwork. I think they're I, fundamentally I it's lazy. Like it's, a, it's a one page document that you have a template for. If your coach if your coach gets fired, you send this in, they scan it, they put it in a little file folder, and a they say, Okay, great, you're good. Now, now you're good to go. I mean, I think that you know, I I like the idea of like the summer signing day, number one, because you're not going to see, you know, some teams around the country just say, yep, we'll take all these players now. We'll lock them down. They're committed to us. And then we'll drop them in February or we'll drop them in December when better players come. I think, that you know, at the end of the day, you got to be ready to take a commitment. And if you don't take the commitment in the summertime and they sign their LO, their national letter of intent, then, okay, now you got February. Go fill your needs. But these coaches are going to go to the portal more than they're going to go to high school kids you know, in the future. I mean, I know that college basketball coaches now are saying, I'm not going to take a guy that's not top 60 in the country out of high school. Why would I do that? He's going to sit at the end of my bench. I'm going to develop him. He's going to transfer somewhere else. I'll go find my needs in the portal. And college football can do that too. I mean, I'd rather the kids know what they're going to have and if they're ready to make the commitment, do it. And the yeah, ads binding. <laughs> Guess what? It has a crappy senior year. You that was your evaluation. Fix that. <laughs> yeah, that that's the problem with me is the the evals. The the further the earlier you do it, the wider the delta is for that prospect, right? Um, and I was gosh, when was I was I was I on this show or maybe it was a uh, maybe it was uh, Tuscaloosa um, or Nashville yesterday. One of my segments, but I was talking. I was like, look. Uh, when I started at Rivals in, in 05, class of 05 was my first class. We did not release the Rivals 100, and it was just 100 then. I think we had 250 like the next year until June of their senior year, right? Mm-hmm. Because you now we had a watch list, a 100 watch list we released on signing day in February. So we had February till June to go to all these Nike camps, to go to spring practice, to review. Back then, you didn't have huddles, so you had to go track the film down, right? Get the VHS, mm-hmm. beg, borrow, steal, pray. But but most kids went to Nike camps and competed. You got to see and evaluate their body type and all that. And then we go do the best we could, right, with, uh, with our first rankings. And then, well, then you had like the opening and the big all-star camps over, and seven-on-sevens all summer. And then you had the season to go evaluate. And, and look – Football hasn't changed. The sport hasn't changed. The key to success of the sport has not changed. It's the hype calendar, right? And so there's an ocean of guys out there, Matt, in high school that blow up their senior year, and they're not getting any run at all because everybody's full. Everybody's full. Like, okay, so Tyshawn Russell, uh, plays for Carolina, the rising sophomore, probably will be – and the top three receivers for the Gamecocks this year, at least. There you go. There's a senior riser. A guy that only Pretty played one year of, of yeah. high school football, too. I mean, there, yeah, there was Pretty no way player, to see right? him as a junior. You know, and that's that's the whole deal there. So I'm just, uh, you know, I don't I don't think the earlier the better. But if it's going to be early, you know, and you're going to cut cut access off to the senior risers anyway, you, you know, you may as well go with August and – and all that. If it weren't for mid-year enrollees, I kind of have a feeling the NCAA would move it back to February, but you just, you still like, again, you have like 70% of your guys are early now. 
They all, I mean, it used to be weird. It used to be like one or two would come in early. Now it's everybody almost. Well, I think it's going to be, I've said this on the show many, many months ago. I think you're going to see more, you know, five-star defensive ends skip their senior year altogether, come to a college program redshirt. I think you're going to see that with quarterbacks, I think running backs. I, I, I think that's just do the same thing you do in basketball. Why not? I'm going to be sad about that because it's high school. Because like, so basketball is different. Like you, you're pretty. Your your best juniors can go play in college, right? Yeah. Football is still developmental. Which the dudes that are good to start out with over a year, even a year's period, they're not the best ones at the end because it's so your body changes during that time and, and all that good stuff. Uh, and, and look, we already have enough working against high school football these days with seven on sevens trying to, to take outsized importance. Thankfully, since all this transfer portal and NIL stuff came out, that's died down. I would have thought the seven on seven teams would have taken NIL and ran with it, and, and it hadn't happened yet. But you have places like IMG, and look, I, I know the guys that started the program at IMG. I respect them. Uh, a guy named Don Zalotti is a great friend of mine. I worked with him when I was at ESPN. Nothing but respect for the folks that that try to coach those kids, but but Matt, if you look at like the facts, there's nothing in in football like it's been around about ten years now. There's nothing that says a player that comes from IMG, football wise, is more prepared than a player that comes from Hartsville High School. Yeah, it's there's no there's no data to back that up. Uh, now some kids go for academic reasons and they're eligible because they went to IMG, and I get that. But man, oh man, it's just uh, it's something else. And then you know the playoff thing. I don't know why they decided that to to, to consider fourteen instead of sixteen. <laughs> that so why, that makes no sense. I'm like, because uh, eventually we talked to Phil and Mike about this earlier this week. Those home games are going to matter, right? You know, you're going to be sitting there and you're LSU and you just beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, so. You get the one of the buys, and then let's say Michigan or High State gets a bar. Penn State gets a buy. Your fans are going to be sitting there going, "Well, why does every other good team in the country get a home game this weekend?" And yeah. we're sitting on our our patoots, uh, trying to find the recipe for the squash casserole for the Christmas extravaganza, and ordering a honey baked ham. Hmm. And, and then those teams that get the buy, you go over five years because it's the playoff, and there's always going to be a lot of good teams. They're going to start to lose because of the layover, like the, the time off. Uh, they're going to start to lose games. I mean, coaches in football already talk about, man, there's a month between conference championships and the semis, you know, whereas if you play in that first round, you got about a 10-day window of rest, which is excellent, between championship game and conference, uh, quarters, or our first round, quarters, semis, championship. Uh, and I think that uh, – Something to consider, um, you know, and and why you're not, uh, you know, why 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 I think you're not you shouldn't go to fourteen. You should go to sixteen. Uh, anyway, I'm I've ran my mouth on that. We're gonna take a short break. Kit Bognight, who uh, unfortunately we didn't get to uh, on opening day, but it'll be good to talk with him. Gamecock legend, Gamecock uh, color analyst for the TV broadcasts. Golden Spikes Award winner. Golden Spikes Award winner, one of my favorite Gamecocks of all time. Love his commentary. Tells it just like it is. He's on the other side of the break here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show on a Friday. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. 
Well, our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. It's the season of love, and there's no sweeter time and place to feel it than today at Love Chevrolet, the heart-pounding rumble of the Silverado High Country, the captivating 2024 Chevy Trax SUV, most affordable in its class. No matter what features you're looking for in a brand new Chevy, your match is waiting for you right now at Love Chevy. In this 63rd season of love, your trusted hometown Chevy dealer is proud to carry on the tradition of honesty, integrity, and treating customers like family. No fast talk, no gimmicks, no ridiculous add-on stickers. Simply the best selection of new Chevys at South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer right now. And ready to drive home today. Don't forget about the $1,000 low price guarantee. Wow, there's a lot to love about Love Chevy. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Together, let's drive. That's the power. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotra, Convention Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks. All right, welcome back, everybody. Yeah, sorry, that Tried to hit a video and it didn't work, but we are live now. Inside Snuck up on me there. It did, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Welcome in, Kip. Happy to have you on the show. Sorry we uh, bumped you for Coach Tanner Friday <laughs> last week. Hopefully you'll understand. <laughs> I, I completely understand. No worries, guys. How y'all doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. Kip's been a pretty good start. 5-0. and Yeah. Oh, um, I, uh, I'll ask you about, cause we talked to Stewart earlier and I went, uh, uh through some, the, some batters and, uh, I want to ask you about the pitching, uh, so far so good. It seems, uh, what are you noticing out there, uh, from the starters and, and from what, uh, looks to be potentially maybe a, a deep bullpen, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, I mean, looking at the starting pitching, you know, this past weekend, um, even throughout the midweek, it, it, I just, 
you know, for the most part, they were strike throwers. You know, I know that uh, on Saturday, Eskew was a little bit um, – didn't have the command that I think we'll normally see out of him. And uh, But he was able to make an adjustment and, and pitch three solid innings after those first two where he was definitely a little bit off what I would feel like where, where we'll see him. He's a good sinker ball guy. I mean, really and truly, I think he could go out there and throw 75% fastballs and run through lineups uh, pretty easy. Um, you know, the competition certainly isn't what we'll see, but I do like the fact that they were attacking the hitters. Eli Jones, I thought, looked really good. Uh, gives a good, calm presence to uh, the pitching staff. And then on Sunday, Roman Kimball, Certainly, uh, I think we'll see him better. And you look at it, I mean, he had five strikeouts. So his stuff was was definitely um, high-level stuff. I mean, I, I was very impressed with Kimball. I think one thing for him, uh, for me watching, he's a high-energy guy, so he's just got to learn to uh, c- control that energy and use it to his – advantage which i think he was able to do obviously he hasn't pitched in a long time and he was extremely excited about getting the opportunity to come out there but uh boy he's got a a, an electric stuff just really excited to watch him and and the bullpen's deep you're right i mean I, i the one thing that i take away so far in the five games are there's there's enough guys to where what I feel like coach Matt Williams, the pitching coach in South Carolina has done a wonderful job of is if, if, if somebody doesn't have it, he recognizes it very quickly and he's got somebody up and they're ready to come out of the bullpen and he's not afraid to pull the trigger pretty quickly. And I think that's very important. And, you know, I think at times over the last couple of years, I feel like we've left some guys in there a little bit too longer and some would say, oh, well, maybe, you know, they just didn't have a good feel of when to get that guy out. But when you don't, when you're not as deep as what I feel like South Carolina is now, that is probably why those decisions were not made. So, so far, so good. I just, I want to see this team throwing a lot of strikes because our lineup, I'm sure Stu talked about it, is much deeper than they have been in the past. So, uh, the, the, you know, all good signs so far. Yeah. So Kip. Say, oh, I was just going to say, Blake, just to kind of piggyback off that, Kip, but Stu brought up the stat uh, that I think it's, what, 38 uh, walks and hit by pitches to 48 strikeouts for the Gamecocks thus far. So it looks like, you know, early returns are a command of the strike zone is, is you know, is there uh, just need to stay and maintain that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'd be lying if I said that um, the, the pitching staff for, for especially Miami of Ohio, um, you know, they, there was, there was a lot of pitches that were not borderline. So um, I think I, what I took away from that is they, they were patient Um their idea of the strike zone, I mean, sometimes, especially when you're playing a team that you you know you probably should win, get double-digit hits, double-digit runs, you can tend to get a little bit impatient at the plate and swing at some pitches that you shouldn't have. 
So I, I do credit the Gamecock hitters for doing a good job of being patient and taking what the game, you know, gives them. But I think the fact that they're, they're so much deeper in, in the length of their lineup now, I mean, when you got Gavin Casas hitting in the eight hole, uh, which I, I'm really glad King put him down there because, you know, I, just watching him, he still doesn't look um, – he doesn't look like we saw him when he was at his best last year. You know, he went through some struggles as well last year. But, um, you know, did a good job, kept his hands inside the ball on that double down the right field line. I think it was on Sunday. Um, but, um, you know, again, when when you got – you know, 13, 14 guys that you feel pretty confident that you can put in there, uh, it, it makes a difference. And Dylan Brewer uh, is one that comes to mind for me. I mean, he's a guy that, quite frankly, I didn't know that would would, would end up making the lineup. But, you know, in my talks with King, I mean, he just flat told me, he said, Kip, he, he just figures out a way to get it done, and we just can't take him out of the lineup yet. So I think, I think that competition having – you know, other guys that are very capable right behind, you know, three or four of the starters right now are making those guys better. And and it's, it's that's transferring over to the bullpen as well. Uh, there's a lot of capable guys. I mean, Ty Good is one for me that could easily, arguably, end up being in the starting rotation if things, you know, uh, crumble a little bit, if they can't get Kimball stretched out and, and end up being able to, to to be a starter. But Ty Good's done a wonderful job of coming in and pounding the strike zone. It's looked really good. Kim, you know, we talked a little about Garrett Ganey earlier this this week and um, kind of uh, his role. And he sort of explained that, you know, the difference between a, a one-inning reliever and, and maybe a guy like Veach, who obviously they brought him in early game one against Miami of Ohio, uh, can you kind of break that down for our audience and kind of see? So, is are, are different guys have like different levels of gas in the tank depending on how they're wired on the mound? Um, you know, I, I know back when you played, you had a guy in Barber that was the reliever the first two <laughs> nights to start of the third. But uh, you know, just, yeah. just kind of break that down the different mentalities uh, with all these guys and and kind of how does that play into determining if a guy can come in. Uh, with nine outs remaining versus uh, versus only having an inning or having three outs. Yeah, good question. And gosh, yeah, Barber, I tell you, still still think he was our MVP of that season in two thousand. He was incredible. Uh, what he did back then, I, I, obviously, I don't think would ever be done again today. Coaches would probably, probably be getting um, uh, hit up on Twitter a good bit for the amount of pitching that Barber did. It was it was it was incredible. But um, you know, when you've got guys you know a guy like Veach I mean he's a true stopper a guy that uh, I thought it was perfect to bring him in there in the seventh inning the game was on the line there they needed some outs and once again you know there's no doubt in my mind the last year he would have went out and pitched the ninth there's no doubt in my mind he would have went out and pitched the ninth and the fact that you know, Mark Kingston and, and Coach Matt Williams had the confidence in bringing in a guy like Garrett Ganey to finish it off is huge for this pitching staff because not only does it um, help keep Veach rested and not abused, it, it it it's another guy. It's a guy that if Veach goes down or if, if they're looking at some matchups and they think, you know what, 
we got three power lefties coming up in the ninth, and Veach just threw a clean eighth. They may go with a guy like Ganey to close it out. And, uh, I mean, Ganey's got great stuff. Electric, 6'3", from the left side, throwing low to mid-90s. I mean, I, I, it's certainly a high-energy guy. Uh, I, I'm sure that <laughs> the coaching staff probably told him not to do a karate kick and a gunshot over to the bench after he did <laughs> in that first game. I would have wore him out for that. But uh, um, he, he looked really good. I, I just um, – I'm I'm very excited about where this pitching staff can can be, and and to be honest with you, for me the most exciting part of it is nobody's really given them much, uh, you know, pub and much you know uh, confidence that they're going to be good. It's kind of like the offense last year. The offense, you know, proved a lot of people wrong last year in what they were able to accomplish, and with the arms that these guys have. Uh, you know, you hear that that phrase, trust your stuff, and I say it all the time, but, I mean, gosh, it, it means everything. I mean, if these guys can be confident and trust their stuff and throw strikes, I don't care who you're facing. If you get in hitters' counts, I don't care how good your stuff is. If you're throwing 95 to 100, these guys will hit it. But if they're attacking the hitters and going after guys and trusting their stuff and trusting their defense behind them, th- this pitching staff can be pretty good. Yeah, on that note, Kip, um, Matt Anderson here, by the way. Yeah, um, hey, um, so back when you pitched in college and then you you know, obviously had a professional career yourself, you know, we didn't hear a lot of these things about pitch counts and, you know, keeping guys' arms, you know, fresh for, you know, their, their future. And we hear it more and more now at the college level. You know, how different is that from when you played? And then, you know, how beneficial is that for South Carolina, like you said, to have so many arms? Is that something the coaches are managing on a game-by-game basis, you know, the amount of pitches and, and all that jazz? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot has changed, you know. I mean, heck, I didn't have a cell phone until I signed professionally with the Rockies and went out to the state of Washington after my senior year of college. So, I mean, there wasn't Twitter. There wasn't all those things going on. You know, nobody really paid attention and knew that Scott Barber was closing on Friday and Saturday and starting on Sunday. They just loved it, and he wanted it, and he embraced it, and it was great. I mean, it's, um, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that Scott Barber probably would have pitched at least five to seven years in the big leagues if he wouldn't have done that. I mean, his his arm was, was, uh, was definitely – it definitely hurt him at a professional level. I mean, he was – uh, he was electric. I mean, I played with him in Cape Cod. We lived together before our uh, junior year of college up there in Chatham the, um, with uh, in the Cape Cod League. And I, I think he gave up maybe one run. He was 92, 94 with an 85, 87-mile-an-hour slider, and he was unhittable. He was unbelievable. Um, so, But nowadays, yeah, they're definitely having to monitor it much more. And, you know, some of it I think is a little bit too much, but – I think the biggest thing is just the back-to-back days. You know, anytime guys pitch usually 40, 50 pitches, they're probably not coming. I mean, if they're in the minor leagues, for sure they're not coming back. They're down two days. So I think, um, you know, it, but it does put guys in a difficult position when you don't have the length in the bullpen uh, that, that I do believe South Carolina has now. And I'm glad they're using these early games to get in a lot of guys because I can remember that junior year that you mentioned, you know, with Scott Barber. I mean, and we had like five or six pitchers. I mean, we had other guys, but 
we just didn't go to them. And, um, you know, I, I think that over the course of the year that that probably hurt us a little bit. Um, you know, and I, and a lot of people don't talk about it, but we had Lee Gronkevich and he was hurt. So then he came back my senior year, our senior year, he was, you know, led the nation in saves and was incredible. If we'd have had Gronk that year, um, gosh, it's hard to believe that we could have been better, but I, I really think we would have been. Yeah. And Kev, it's crazy. Cause you think about, you know, the, 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 the absolute mind numbing stats about Nolan Ryan pitching 235 pitches in a game. Like it, it was different back then. It definitely was different. And, you know, for me, I think for the longevity of players' careers, it's good to do this type of thing. But at the same time, Kip, I mean, was it easy to get the ball taken from you when you were pitching on the mound for South Carolina? You didn't want to give it up. Uh, no, I can, I can tell you many stories about that as far as uh, having some choice words to Coach Tanner or Coach Myers. But, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it, it, it's – it's tough because as a, as a competitor, you just don't, you know, you don't want to come out and you don't want to give that up. I mean, I can remember, you know, uh, you know, gosh, I can remember throwing, I think it was uh, a complete game my senior year against the Citadel on Friday night. And I actually was trying to come out of the game. I begged Coach Tanner, the only time ever in my career, I've said, Coach Tanner, after the sixth inning, we scored about seven or eight runs and we're up, I don't know, eight, nine, nothing. And I'm like, take me out because I know you're going to be wanting me to pitch on Sunday. And uh, he just left me in there and I threw a complete game. And then I think I came back on Sunday and threw another five and two-thirds against Central Florida. We go to the Super Regionals and we go to Stanford. And I'm telling him to wait and start me Saturday or Sunday. And I went out Friday night and I just – I didn't have anything. I mean, I had nothing. And we lost on Friday. And um, that 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 was a that was a tough loss. But uh, we did win Saturday and then lost Sunday, of course, three to two again, and didn't get to to Omaha, which was which was obviously tough. But it's um I I also do credit the the re, you know what they're what they've done with recruiting and bringing in more guys. It's amazing. I mean, it's you know, it's funny, like, you know, he's like, Kip, we got 14, 15 guys that throw 90 plus. And I'm like, I, I was messing with Coach Tanner and Coach Bobby Richardson and Coach June Reigns before the opening day down there. I was playing catch with Casey, Tommy Moody's daughter, and she was getting ready to throw out the first pitch. And I said, I said, Coach Tanner, I said, you think we uh, had 15 guys that threw over? And he said, we didn't have 15 guys over your four-year career that threw 90 or more. He's like, is, he said, to have it on one team is pretty amazing. And uh, it, it really is. It's unbelievable how hard these guys are throwing now. Kip, you know, you, you, you've been around the program a long time. You've seen, you know, frankly, some of the down years recently. So this season's a little different, though. I mean, since last season, uh, and I know Carolina had kind of a, that lull they hit where they were, I guess, half the lineup was out with injury last year. But but really, I thought that was a resurgent year for Coach Kingston. I get that same feeling with this year's team. You know, some of the past teams, you kind of wondered sometimes about the mentality and the, and the competitiveness and all that. Uh Maybe it's just a hunch. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't have that feeling about this group nor last year's group. What can you say about Coach Kingston, his evolution as a head coach? How much does having guys like Monty Lee and Matt Williams and, and, and a great staff play a fight factor in it? Uh, just kind of break that down, kind of the state of the program. 
Well, I think the staff is as good as it's been since Coach Tanner was at, at the helm. I really do. Um, obviously, with all due respect to, to Chad Holbrook and, and um, you know, the tenure he had, I mean, I think that, um, you know, it, he's doing a wonderful job of putting guys in positions. I mean, Monty Lee is one of my favorite guys in the world. I mean, I love Monty. He's a, a great hitting coach. Um, and, and Matt Williams obviously has been a wonderful pitching coach for a long, long time. And I know he's excited to be at South Carolina. Um, but it all goes back to recruiting for me. Uh, you know, two things is recruiting and, and being able to get the guys to buy into the culture of South Carolina. And that culture was, I, I was fortunate enough to be a part of that culture change. And that culture change was, we didn't back down to anybody and we could care less if people thought we sucked, but we got after it in practice every day. We challenged each other and we were winners. And um, those are things that don't really show up in a tryout or, or BP or anything. You know, you can have all the talent in the world, but you know, when it, when the light, when the lights cut on that, that's one thing I've, I've, really enjoyed like watching a guy like Ty Good. I feel like Ty Good is a guy that you look at and you go, God, maybe his stuff's not that, which is crazy for me to even say because he's still throwing 90-92. Um, but maybe his stuff's not that great, but he knows how to pitch. He knows how to change speeds, get guys off balance. He can read a hitter swing and see that, you know, when he needs to go inside, when he doesn't. And um, so I think that we're seeing a roster that is completely different than we've seen uh, definitely in the Holbrook days and even in some of Mark Kingston's first three or four years. I mean, I can remember having lunch with King in about his, I guess, first or second season. And, you know, he's just like, Kip, I mean, we, we got, we got guys that don't belong here. And I, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, no kidding. Cause I can remember when we'd sign them, I'm going, well, this this is not somebody that is going to be, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, again, with all due respect, when you got guys like Casa sitting in the eight hole, that's a big difference than having a guy like Case, uh, like uh, Stone hitting in the eight hole. I mean, it just it it makes a big difference when you got a couple guys in the lineup that are below the Mendoza line uh, hitting. And um, so I, I, I give them a lot of credit to their recruiting. But I also have seen guys that are now playing with a lot more of a chip on their shoulder. And uh, and, and that that makes me happy as a former player. Well, we absolutely appreciate that, Kip. You know, just being real with us. Um, you yeah, know, as Gamecock fans, you know, we don't always see it. You know, we see the – the South Carolina and the interlocking SC hats. And that's the excellence that you and your teams, you know, made South Carolina fans expect. And to, to say that, you know, there was a reason for it. It wasn't all of a sudden they hit a funk. It was yeah. you know, player and player. Well, related. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't, there was never ahead, a year you. during the Tanner era. I, I thought the whole, the whole, the whole, uh, past 99 and, and then 2000, because that was that was disappointing those two years, uh, winning the East and not making the 60-14 tournaments, bizarre to me. And then we won't talk about the Super <laughs> next yeah. year. But uh, you never walked away from that season, no matter what. You got the Supers, you got the Regionals. You never walked away and felt 
ah, those guys really didn't give it their all or play their best or got, they didn't really get every drop they could out of that team. And there were some disappointing losses. Some teams with a different matchup could have made it to Omaha, but, but I always felt that way. I don't think I felt that way the last 10 years up until maybe last year. And it's starting to come back a little bit, you know, and I think yeah. toughness has a, bit, a lot to do with it. Yeah, I agree completely. And, uh, you know, I mean, I look at, um, you know, I just think you're starting to see a team now. I mean, I, you know, I, I look at, you know, a lot of people ask about Braswell and, you know, um, and, and him leaving and, and going to LSU and, you know, but he, he wasn't a great teammate and, um, you know, they recognize that obviously. And, um, I think that, uh, you know, you, you look at the teams that under Ray Tanner, I mean, everybody didn't hit 300 and hit 15 home runs. Guys knew their role. And when you watch Ethan Petrie, you know, shorten his swing up and, and, and advance a runner or do things that I saw him do as a freshman last year. Now, obviously, he hit 375 and, you know, 20-plus home runs, uh, over 70 RBIs. I mean, he was incredible. But for him to still, you know, do little things, I'm watching Messina do that. I mean, we got two guys that are ranked number one at their position in all of college baseball, and they're still playing for the name on the front of the jersey, not the back. And that's the biggest thing for me. If guys will just understand that individual accolades come when your team is successful, then everything is going to work out just fine. And that that for me – is a very difficult thing, especially in today's day and age of transfers and NIL and, uh, you know, all that. I mean, you talk about, you know, that's another subject that they're having to, to deal with that is much different than what, uh, you know, Coach Tanner had to deal with even back in those days. But, um, yeah, I, I'm with you, JC. I, I don't I, – I, I, I would not ignore that I have not felt – good about a team until last year and I definitely so far am feeling good about this year because it's not always just about the results it's it's the process right I mean look at what Lamont Paris has been able to do with the basketball team I mean the most selfless basketball team in the country for me I mean it just it's a different guy it doesn't have to be the same guy every night um they pass the ball it's not there's not that um one guy that you just is, is selfish and takes all the shots. I mean, that, that transfers into baseball as well. And, um, you know, it's just very, very important that, that these guys understand that. And if they do, in the long run, they're going to play a lot more loose. They're going to be together, and they're going to realize that there's guys there that can pick them up on a day that they're not doing well. And that's the fun thing, Kip, because, you know, baseball, for my money, is still one of the most – pure sports in existence you know it's it's a one-on-one matchup between the pitcher and the batter and then you got eight well seven guys behind you that are going to pick up the slack and you know if some guy gets a hit all right well now it's a team sport let's keep him from advancing and I, I love baseball for that reason it's so pure and and to hear a team that's playing for the name on the front of the jersey you don't see that in football and you don't see it in basketball all the time so to see it in baseball with this Gamecock team is a lot of fun Absolutely. Well, Kip, we appreciate you joining us, bud. Uh, thank you so much. Have some great calls this weekend. And, uh, boy, you got five more games, and it gets uh, it gets a little more real, right, with that big one next weekend. 
Yeah, it does. Actually, I won't be there this weekend. I'm traveling oh. now. I'm heading up to North Carolina. Uh, unfortunately, oh, I won't be there for the games, but I'll definitely be uh, watching as much as I can and uh, excited about next Friday for sure. I'll be back on the on the call on Tuesday against Gardner Webb. But yeah, it's um, it's it's you know, hopefully this will be a good weekend that they can get continue to get a lot more guys in there. And, and uh, it, it's 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 exciting part of the year. It really is. Outstanding. Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Safe travels. Yep. All right. Thanks, y'all. That's the great Kip Bognight joining us here on Inside the Game Costa Show. We're going to take a final break and come back, and I'm going to put the screws to the late night Gamecock and uh, ask him to to break down the, uh, the keys to the Ole Miss game tomorrow on the hardwood. We've have we covered everything for football. I think we have. I think we have. We did recruiting. Oh, we're going to talk a lot of numbers. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah crystal ball numbers. predictions. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. You know. All right. Well, we'll uh, final break of the uh, of the week. It's been, uh, it's been quite an adventure. We've missed JB three days. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since we hadn't had a chaperone for that long, Phil. <laughs> we've, we've done well not to, you know. Get into a lot of trouble. <laughs> I, I know, I know. It's because of people like Matt and Mike. Yeah, that's, you know, that's that's a good thing. It was like, yeah, we work with other professionals, so yeah, we have we don't get to just take it off the rails. <laughs> All right, we are built by the Bardo Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. Get uh, take the Chicken Cock Challenge on the Chief Sports app. Download the Chief Sports app; it's free. Tell your friends about the Chief Sports app. We need more downloads. We also need you to go to our YouTube page and hit subscribe because we love it when you do that. That helps us. Helps the show, helps the Chief Sports Network, uh, and all that good stuff. Appreciate all of our sponsors out there. We're in the Sinorama Studios, so if you're in the stadium this weekend, be sure to check out Matt Vaughn's good work there. Had to go through that pretty fast. I keep forgetting to do that, and Mike did yesterday too. Mike, 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 Mike used all the Power Hour sponsors yeah. for yeah. all three hours, which is fine because we owed him we we owed him an hour from his yeah the, the power yeah, three hours yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> We talk about, we talked about chicken cock, I guess. But anyway, uh, by the way, those of you that were maybe worried about me, because I said my mom called and I hope nothing's wrong because she never calls. My mother retired from teaching in December. So my dumb butt forgets that. I'm like, oh my God, she's at school and something. She's, uh, for the past 30 years, she's been at school at this time of day, but she's not. So everything's fine on my end. But we'll be back after these messages to wrap things up with Matt Anderson Phil, Mad Dog, Mullinax, and me, JC, right after this. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down in Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her 
and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barn Doe Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go Gamecocks. Coop foul, nothing called, drive, bounces down low, Josh is running the front. Michi will drive, down the court, Cooper for three, it's up, it's Michi from 30 feet, got it. Will go down and they will go down hard. How do you like me now? Now that I'm on my way, you still think I'm crazy standing here today. Oh, welcome back, everybody. Final segment of the week of Game uh, Inside the Game Cops, the show. I was just about to say our Twitter handle is that's like at Gamecock Show <laughs> here on at Gamecock Show. Gamecock. But hey, that's how you get us on X is at Gamecock Show. Congrats to the women's tournament for locking up another SEC title with their victory over Alabama last night. And looks like Dawn and uh, her team that was kind of not getting as much preseason hype and love as uh putting everybody in their place. <laughs> All yeah. the haters who did not believe Back that uh, Don Staley with a, a team of younger kids playing a brand of basketball that was different from last year's could still do what it is that they're doing. Man, yeah. I got I got phone problems, guys. I've, I yeah. accidentally put that I wanted notifications off. I managed like eight Facebook pages. Carolina Rise, this one. But I, the Big Spurs is the, a massive one with and so I get a notification every time one of these people comments on a story. Oh, wow. So my phone's just like, I got I to figure out a way how to turn that off. Anyway, uh, <laughs> by the way, there's an article out that says uh, Taylor Swift is demanding Travis Kelsey not take selfies with other girls and not go to strip clubs, and he's getting tired of it. Oh, so there's uh, drama in Camelot, right? <laughs> I know you care about that. But uh, yeah. so – but anyway, back to the subject at hand. I just felt felt like I should mention that. We can't go 
Because we mentioned Taylor and Travis on JC and Morgan earlier this week. Like, is that good for the game of football? I think yes, because it brings a lot of people that wouldn't normally uh, do that. Uh, and yes, Bruin, Nikki Haley, I blocked her on my phone because I've gotten so many texts from her this week. I have a South Carolina area code. I'm not even in South Carolina. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I voting. That's actually, what 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 killed the AT and T network is all these politicians. Is this the Nikki Haley text message. I don't so, get those. Uh, not, I don't want to put that out there, but yeah, I don't get them. Don't add me to your list, Nikki. It's okay, or any of you. Yeah, politicians. Sh- yeah texting me is not a good way to yeah, get. Pe- my people are like <laughs> making fun of it. They're like, text me like Nikki Haley does. <laughs> text me like so, Nikki Haley does. I'm like, man, shoot. And that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey thing, I mean, that that trouble in paradise there, that, that might if, get if, Roger Goodell in there to mediate if that. Taylor what wants it to means to the me, NFL. <laughs> she can text me. Now, oh, she doesn't want him to ever uh, just text her. She wants him to FaceTime because she's insecure oh about other girls. I don't know, man. Well, the I NFL the script is over. I mean, they, <laughs> the NFL had the script they wanted, and now yeah, it's yeah, time right, to yeah. break this up. <laughs> If I'm Taylor Swift, I got a one point, a cool one point one billion in the bank. If things don't work out with Travis Kelsey, that's just an album football fans are going to buy. Listen, it's, <laughs> it's it's right in her mo. This is the yeah, way on the works. I mean, when, when they got together, I was just like, okay, well, Travis has signed up to be the next album, so let's ride. I'm running out of the tunnel with you. <laughs> you ran out of the. We lost the coin flip, baby. But what's there to say? <laughs> JC's giving this all. Look, oh yeah, well, it was number oh, one on the this JC is what this is on JC after the Murdoch trial ended. Yeah. My wife and I didn't talk about anything significant, and except for getting married and life, of course. But like now, this is our new thing: Travis and Taylor. <laughs> Like we talk about it now, you know, she's convinced that Taylor just wants to be loved uh, and that Travis is really, and I'm convinced that Travis Kelsey's the most masculine person she's ever dated. Like seriously. Oh, maybe name another one. No, all these other little guys are just like little artists and stuff. So she's got like a real dude now. And so she's like, maybe wanting to hang on to Maybe it's not all about the next song inspiration. See, I don't know. Seeing headlines about how she's being a bad influence on him, like he's you know getting all drunk and you know maybe even doing drugs <laughs> and clubs and stuff because of if, Taylor. I'm like, if Jason Kelsey wasn't like right somebody <laughs> I'd have a beer with, I would yeah. I would probably blame Taylor Swift on that anyway. Yeah, I'm like, have you seen his brother? I'm like, there's yeah, that's that's not where that's coming. <laughs> Clint said the <laughs> album's going to be called Outkicked His Coverage. <laughs> <laughs> song will be like Travis dropped the ball case of the drops. I don't know. I don't know. I'd much point is I'd much rather be getting, I'm going to say this in an Australian accent. I'd much rather be getting texts from Taylor Swift than the Nikki Haley. How about that? <laughs> I believe we can all concur. All right. So <laughs> this game tomorrow, uh, keys for the game. Cox, I'll let you take it away. I, I would say get off to a good start. I think they need a game kind of like the Georgia game where they really take control down the stretch and that that momentum that they inevitably do build during games, Matt, builds toward the end result rather than the beginning. 
Yeah, you know, the Gamecocks only lost one game this year when they've held their opponent under 70 points, and that was the LSU game this past weekend. I think that, you know, that is that is the magic number for most teams in the country, but it seems to be the magic number that South Carolina can consistently hit, and they have this season. So I think, you know, dictate the tempo. Don't let them get out and run. You know, try your best to make it, you know, that 62-63 possession game. I think that's huge. Um, they got to figure out something about that seven foot five guy because I thought the Gamecocks played really well until he came into the game in the second half, and I don't think he sat from like the thirteen minute mark on. And he, he they really he, he really messed up what the Gamecocks wanted to do. The pick and roll defense has been abysmal for South Carolina against Auburn and then against LSU. You know, when teams get a chance to get downhill in the Gamecocks, it's just not something that the Gamecocks seem very well equipped to to handle partially because, you know, the Gamecocks do get back, but once they get back, they like to be able to set up their defense. So you got to stop, you got to stop um, the the run rebels from Ole Miss. From doing rebels. That. Um, but no, I think that, you know, after, after that offensive rebounding, um, Ole Miss gives up the most offensive rebounds in the SEC. So the Gamecocks have to, you know, stay active on the boards, which is kind of crazy when Ole Miss has two seven footers down there. They give up the most offensive rebounds, but but they do. And the Gamecocks are a great offensive rebounding team. Outside of that, I think the biggest key, and we talked about it earlier, you got to get three of the big four going. Whether it's Talon, BJ, Colin Murray Boyles, or um, Michi, three of those guys have to be putting up somewhere in the twelve to sixteen points area you know maybe more and then the role players are going to do what the role players do i'm not worried about it zach davis is going to take one three we all scratch our heads about he's going to hit one that we all say good shot zach um, one for two yeah yeah J- jacoby's going to hit his shots i mean they don't need to rely on those guys but those guys need to give them what they've given them all season and, and they have i mean it hasn't been an issue with the bench not stepping up and giving points and giving contributions you know if studi can get hot from three that's big but the Gamecocks, according to Ken Palm, are going to be a one-point underdog um, on Saturday. Uh, but as I say all the time, especially right now, if you look at the the computers and what they're projecting, South Carolina is either a one- or two-possession favorite or underdog in every game the rest of the way. And one or two possessions out of 62 or 63 deliberate possessions can turn into the Gamecocks beating a team by 17 like they did Kentucky. Um, it can end up being a grind of a game like it was against Tennessee. Ole Miss is not as good as Tennessee or Kentucky. Uh, and and look, one of the things that Ole Miss has to you have to think about is Gamecock fans are talking about don't lose it, don't lose out, right? But Ole Miss has a lot of pressure to win. And yeah, you know, that that's a lot of pressure on Ole Miss to pretty much need to win out, maybe to, to feel good going into the SEC tournament that they're an NCAA tournament team. So there's gonna be a lot of pressure on Ole Miss. So Gamecocks just need to play without pressure play their brand of basketball. And, you know, as of right now, I don't think something's going to change unless Michi's just a late scratch. But Lamont said Michi was good to go last night on the call-in show. I'm predicting a Gamecock victory tomorrow. I like yeah, it. I, I like it. Yeah, I just think uh, you don't want – you want to still – you want to get back to that, you know, deliberate, uh, unselfish offense that, you know, 
you started conference play with and, and basically the entire season uh, and then figure out how to put Colin Murray boils into that system. Cause at times where he has like risen up and, and started to shine here as uh, the freshman talent that he is, I think sometimes it's been kind of like square peg round hole. And hopefully over this last week, they've been able to uh, get him well into that. Uh, but you you don't want this, and I think that's the best way to avoid having this Chris Beard team turn into a Beard team <laughs> where they just defense the hell out of you and frustrate mm-hmm. you. It's like continue that methodical, disciplined offense uh, to counteract what it is you know Beard has been trying to coach these guys up all year to do. South Carolina, last time that was a home game. Uh, went out to Arkansas and won a big one, <laughs> 77-64 in Fayetteville. Uh, Ole Miss has been kind of trending a little bit down, uh, lost a – they were up on Auburn. Auburn pulled away, won 91-77. That was the second time they had played them. They lost at Kentucky by 12, lost the Gamecocks at Columbia, struggled with Missouri, eat by them, and then did not look all that good against Mississippi State. Uh, so they're sort of – you know, they've lost four out of five. Uh, and you look after Carolina, it's Bama. It's going to Missouri. Missouri's going to beat somebody this year um, at Georgia, who kind of has second life, and then A&M again. So we'll see what happens. But uh, certainly I think everybody in Gamecock land will feel better uh, with a win here. Um, and then you go to A&M with momentum and uh, try to win for, the, what, the fourth or fifth straight time in College Station if you're the Gamecocks. So that'll be good. All right, for Matt Anderson, the late-night Gamecock, and also the Mad Dog, Phil Mullinax. For Jamie Bradford, who will hopefully be back next week. For Mike Morgan, the Morgs, all our wonderful guests that we have uh, each and every week. All of you in the Nana's Porch, the award-winning. Uh, everybody on the McKellar Enterprises guest line. Uh, and, yes, we got the Liverpool and Manchester United news earlier today. So not soccer. We'll get John Whittle's thought on it. He did tweet that it is a huge deal uh, if you're wanting to know who Whittle's kind of our soccer guy. So he, uh, he approved. Well, have a great week. Don't forget to tell your friends about the Chief Sports app. Download that. Get this a lot of content. Don't forget, we are driven by the Barn Go Co. and Love Chevrolet. We are dressed by Gamecock Traditions, I guess that's what you say. That yeah. Everybody go. Pour yourself all this is J.C. Sherbert for all my guys and gals right here in Gamecock Nation. Y'all be safe. Have a great weekend, y'all. That's it. Drinking my hand. Let's go.